Hello, everyone. This is Stronghold Podcast, Episode 9. I'm here with Alvin Ong. Uh, Alvin, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. Hey, Lou. What's up? How are you doing? Oh, man, it's so surreal to be here. It's weird, yeah, right? It's so weird. Listening to yourself, seeing yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so professional. We just came from the, the UFC last night, UFC in Singapore. We are both there. I'm a little hungover. You can probably hear it in my voice. The camera can probably see it in my face. So I'm, I'm struggling here, but luckily, hair of the dog, the cure for any hangover is, of IPA. course, more alcohol. Yes. I don't recommend that to the people listening, but hey, it is what Can't it is. Can't get hungover if you're permanently drunk. So, man, what did you think about the fights? Fuck yeah, so good. Um, I only came after the, no, doing the main card. So, yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, wow, I thought Askren was going to win. Yeah, me and Major picked Askren to win. Almost everybody I thought, thought that I talked to that Askren was going to win. But I think now, you know, there's all this shit talk started hard on Askren since the fight. Everybody's like, oh, and three, oh, and three. Uh, because that first fight with Robbie Lawler was kind of bullshit, too. And then he got fucked up by Masvidal. And then uh, the fight with Damian Maia didn't go his way. But, yeah, I mean, it's all of a sudden, Askren was the hottest prospect. I mean, if you think about the trade, yeah. right? The UFC traded they traded Mighty Mouse for yeah. him. And then all of a sudden, he's if you consider that, that Robbie Lawler fight and the sort of controversy behind it, and then everything else since... Eh, maybe not the best trade because you could have had the Cejudo rematch. Yeah. Now Cejudo's triple champ. If you imagine like the marketability of that fight, I mean, I feel like Askren pulled his weight because he's you know he's really he's a shit talker. He pulls in the eyes for a wrestler. It's quite uncommon. Mm -hmm. So I feel like he's kind of pulling his end in terms of promotional material. But his record is looking a little rough. Wow, I don't know, man. Um, I'm I'm still a supporter of Askren. So I felt like the Jorge Masvidal flying knee was it's not a fluke, but it's like. Man, it happens, you know. It happens in fighting. So, um, the first fight with uh, Robbie, who knows? But I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I would like to see. Did you think that fight? Again. Did you think? Did you think that fight was stopped early? The yes. Askren, yes, Lawler fight. Robbie didn't tap, man. If, yeah. he, if he didn't tap, then yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, I thought it was an early stoppage too, but it's tricky, right? Because you see, for those of you that are listening that don't know, Lawler fought, uh, Robbie Lawler fought Ben Askren in his first fight in the UFC, and it was this weird thing where he had him in a, we call it bulldog, bulldog choke, choke, or a bully choke, yeah. where you like, it's that old school, grade school choke, where someone yeah. puts you in a headlock, right, right next to your hip, and they start squeezing. Uh, the thing about that is, it is a choke, and you actually can choke people out with it, but like, a lot of times in that situation, you're taught to relax when you're in one of those deep chokes. Yep. And so the referee, Herb Dean, picked up uh, picked up Robbie Lawler's arm, and he dropped it, and then his arm kind of went down. Yo. To be fair to Herb, universally, when, you, when yeah. you lift up the arm, that's the cue for the referee to see if you're awake or not. Yeah. And if you let your arm fall, you kind of give them no choice but to yeah. stop the fight. Dude, that, that fight was so weird, man. Uh, I sympathize with Herb because, yeah, yeah. He looked Everyone like he shat was on out. him. Yeah, and uh, if you remember, if you saw Ben Askren on Instagram, he was doing a thing where he was, like, squishing watermelons, like, mm. two watermelons in his hands. So his isometric strength is out of the world, right? So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just thought he's just had bad luck, I think. Who? Askren? Askren, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah well, he, they definitely gave him Weird tough matches. Fights. Yeah, they yeah. didn't give him any easy fights. I mean, he went from Lawler to... I don't think Dana likes him. <laughs> well, I mean, he talks so much shit. I mean, that's clear. He was talking yeah. shit way yeah. back in the day, back yeah. when he signed with one. Right. But if you look, I mean, Mighty Mouse has gone to one. He's doing work. He just won the Flyweight yeah. Grand Prix. Yeah, I love Mighty Mouse. Undefeated. And even his loss to... That's fucking weird. Because even his loss to um, Cejudo was razor close. Right. I mean, Who do you, you think win? I'd have to watch it again. At the time, I thought Cejudo won. But it's one of those things like, you know, it's a bit like the Santos-John Jones fight. Right. Right? Like, when the dominant champion, 
even slightly starts to get hit and stuff, yeah. it makes it seem like they're losing more than they are just because they've been so dominant. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, I watched it three times, actually, on Fight Pass. Uh, I thought Cejudo won. But there was this one moment in the fight. In the first round, if you remember, uh, Mighty Mouse leg kicks Cejudo, and he starts like, limping, and his ankles are going weird. And I think uh, Mighty Mouse tried to finish the fight. Like, he was, he was too aggressive, and he, got, and he gave up the takedowns, the inside trip. Yeah. So that's what I think. Um, yeah, I want to see that fight again. Yeah, yeah, I know, but now you can't. And the thing is, right, even that inside trip, everybody made a big deal about his wrestling. But, I mean, if you go back and you watch that fight, I mean, Cejudo never controlled him on top for more than a few seconds. Yes. He popped right back up. There's no damage on the ground. And, I mean, it, and it seems significant because it was the most competitive fight, and Mighty Mouse mm -hmm. has been so dominant yeah. that it's like, it's like, uh, it's like you know, I don't know why the fuck. Am I, am I doing this or is it sliding out? Anyway, I don't know why the fuck. Like, think about Floyd Mayweather, right? If yeah. anyone hits him at all, it's like, oh, it's so mind-blowing. If he gets hit once, he <laughs> automatically loses the round. Right. Just because no one ever touches him. So it's so dominant. It's the same thing, I think, with when uh, Santos fought John Jones. I agree. Like, some people were like, Santos won that fight. I'm like, he didn't land a, no, he didn't. He didn't land a clean strike. Yeah. Like, the whole time. I mean, it was competitive, and he was yeah. a dog, and he was firing back. But it's just like... John Jones is so dominant that yeah. when it even looks tough, your instinct is just to like score that way more heavily. Yes. Uh, everybody thought Jones was just going to roll over Santos, right? I, I thought the same way. So, yeah, when it's, a, when it's a competitive fight, it's like with Gustafsson and Jones. But it's not even that close, right? So, yeah, I agree with you, man. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So, Askren, rear naked choke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was in a kind of a compromised state when i watched this so i don't remember <laughs> much of what happened i was pretty drunk i had only bought two beers the whole night so i thought like i was pretty good but people kept sticking them in my face the whole night yeah. i just finished this one and then one would appear over my shoulder and then i'm like oh okay and then i drink that one and then one have. pops up over here and i'm like okay cool i'll just have that one and then yeah. by the end of it i couldn't even fucking walk straight i just mm -hmm. came came passed out and fucking blacked out afterward and then i tried to wake up this morning and watch it again uh, to just see what what happened i just Remember the striking being pretty fucking awkward, and, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. leading to the finish. But also, I was with all the Brazilians. Yeah, they all somehow found me. I don't, I don't know how. I'm sitting there with Major watching the the fights, and it's Start just like chanting. me and Major, and then his wife and my wife, and then a couple of the other guys from the gym. And then all of a sudden, one of the Brazilians pops up right next to me, and then he's chatting with me, and then another one, and they're fucking, you know, they come in flocks. Yeah, it's never just like one, <laughs> but then five more show up, yeah. and then I hear "boa," they just start screaming in Portuguese as the fight's yeah. going on. And I'm partly entertained by what's going on behind me. And then I'm also trying to watch the fight. And then they're talking to me about jujitsu and shit. And I'm just like, and I'm drunk. So my attention's going all over the place. I barely even got to comprehend what I was seeing. Yeah. But I just know that, like, uh, I knew that for Maya to win, he had to get on top of Askren. Because right. there's no way. If Askren's on top, okay. He can maybe grind him out, hump his leg a little bit, get a decision. That's why but I if thought Maya got on top, there's no way his submission defense or his guard is good enough to get. Right. Right off of him many times. Yeah, that's why I thought Askren was going to win, man, because I knew, I knew Askren was going to take him down. Uh, very likely, right? But, and I knew it's very unlikely that Maya would submit Askren off his back. So, but he swept him and he choked him out, man. Holy shit. I owe everybody supper now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I owe like, I owe, I owe like three, four guys supper. So. Other people betting on Maya and you're betting on Askren? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, ah, fuck no, Askren's going to win it. Ah, damn. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, so I'm still happy, but... Well, it was weird, right? Because Damian Maya came in here to train for the for the fight, and so cool. I saw him training, and I and I saw him getting taken down in training. So I kind of and by people that aren't Ben Askren, right. so I knew that in training and th at the fight he was going to take down. 
but he's really good and he was doing this in training about when people would take him down he's immediately elevating with butterfly hooks yes so it's very hard you can take him down but when you get him down he's not the bjj guy who will just relax on his back yeah as soon as you put him down he's elevating you immediately to try to sweep yeah. he's not just being like okay now we're doing jiu-jitsu and just yeah. laying on his back as soon as the momentum of the takedown is driving him to the mat he's using that momentum to start to elevate with his butterfly hooks and he was sweeping a lot of people right off the takedown which ended up leading the that was the transition that yeah. he got the back yeah Askren took him down I think he's single leg and then he grabbed behind the neck and he sort of run, cool. ran the pipe to take him down and then uh, Maya immediately was elevating with the butterfly hook before they got settled right away, yeah. and then somehow transitioned to his back and and got the choke yeah it was Marcelo Garcia like yeah straight away like a ball boom I think it was a butterfly sweep or a half butterfly yeah, or something. Yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. it was a butterfly sweep too. Uh, but yeah, it's wild. All of the Brazilians were just losing their shit. Yeah. They were like, jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu. <laughs> and I'm just, and I'm kind of losing my shit too, right? Because yeah. it was fucking cool. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. You know, I was a wrestler first, but I got a soft spot in my heart for Damian Maya for sure. Yeah, shit. And he's like a jiu-jitsu hero, man. Yeah. He's like the Superman of jiu-jitsu. He's a captain jiu-jitsu. He's like 41 years old. 41. Choking out all these motherfuckers. By the way, he looks fucking great. Yeah. I saw him face to face. <laughs> First of all, he's huge. Second of all, I have more gray hair than he does, and I'm 30. I don't know what this dude's doing, but he Asahi, looked man. good. Yeah, just Asahi all, yeah. uh, all day. Uh, he just looked great, and, I mean, he got that rear naked choke. It looked like it was one arm. Yeah. It looked like it was one arm, and he put him to sleep with one arm. Yeah, he did this thing. Where I, I didn't even think it was tight. Like, I was watching it with uh, my man Gary and Ashwin. So he, he pulled on his head with his left hand and shot it through with the same hand, and he choked him. It didn't even look like... Like John Danaher, like tight, like, but it, but yeah, but he fell asleep. Because I think Askren was fighting the second hand. Yeah. I think he had a grip two on one on the second hand, which usually will be enough to block the choke. Yeah. But if he got the Damian Maya squeeze, yeah, no, there's man. no, there's yeah. no guarantee. Even when he got a body triangle, Askren's body was like, like, that was fucked. Yeah. Yeah. The only guy I've seen uh, do that a lot in MMA was Shinya Aoki. The body triangle? Yeah, he does that shit. Mm. And the guy's body is just like, fuck. It's like contorted and shit. And he does the, you know, he does the reverse body triangle, which, is like uh, so. There's two ways you can body triangle, right? If I body triangle you, generally, for for the listeners, if I'm on your back, you you would have what's the seat, what's called the seat belt, yeah. which is one arm over the shoulder, and that's the choking arm, mm -hmm. and then you have one arm under the armpit, and that's the control arm. Yeah. And then generally, they teach you to put your both your hooks, your legs, in between the thighs. Mm -hmm. If you go with the body triangle, you drape your leg all the way across the belly, and then you lock the triangle Classic behind your knee. Yeah. But what he does is he always goes opposite the choking arm, so he'll, you know. If, you're, if I, I want to lay on the choking arm. So if my right arm is over your shoulder when I'm on the back, I want to be laying on my right arm. Right. And generally, the, your foot will be facing the same direction as your hand. Right. Mm -hmm. So the body triangle is going the same direction as the choking arm. He'll switch it so that way it's going the same direction as the control arm. Yeah. So he can switch his body triangle back and forth, and he'll go opposite the choking arm. So you're in danger no matter which side you go to which is a really interesting way to kind of handle it. A lot of new school jiu-jitsu guys are doing this now, man. They, yeah. They fall on the control side, not the choking side. So, uh, and then the body triangle's on the opposite side. Yeah. So yeah. very hard to move. Yeah. So a lot of things. Uh, it used to be, it used to be when, like, you sh this is the correct side to fall on, like the choking side is the correct side to fall on. But now it's like that you're screwed both sides. So now the back is such a strong position. I think a lot of it comes from the, the Danaher system. Like everybody's so much more... Like, 10 years ago, the back position was, like, double underhooks on the back. You remember that shit? Yeah. Like back in the day, in like, ADCC, I would watch all that. Because they grip the lapels, right? So now it's so dangerous, man. I have guys I, I train with at Highlight Reel or at Impact. If they take your back, that's it, man. Shout yeah. out to Oz. Shout out to Oz, man. Take your back, that's it. He choked me, like, 
five times in three minutes. <laughs> it's unstoppable. It's not even like brute strength. It's just like, like grip, counter, 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 finish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a whole meta game there now yeah, for the, the, the backfighting. Yeah. And it's, well, it's one of those things, too, that the game has changed so much. And it's one of those things that you really start to realize that the IBJJF rules are starting to become just antiquated. Because mm -hmm. we were talking to the gym last night. I think ADCC has the best rules now. Right. We have some white belts. We'll kind of segue into talking about your competition uh, because you're organizing the Singapore BJJ yes, Open. Yes, I am. And so Stronghold's been open for five months about, and uh, this is going to be the first tournament that we've gone to, which is, which is fucking cool, right? Yeah, but it's cool. a lot of white belts because we just opened up. And then, you know, I have some old students and purple belts and brown belts and stuff that are also here, but mostly the new people that are going to compete white belts. So I'm going over the rules with them, and I'm trying to explain what a sweep, are, sweep is and all that shit. Yeah. And some of these rules are fucking dumb. Like, for example, even Jake McKenzie used to tell me this. Like, mm -hmm. he thinks that if you get the body triangle from the back, it should be an extra point. So that should be a five point. So like, so like two hooks in four points and body triangle four points. Extra point, no extra point, extra, extra point, point, one extra point. Okay. Which I think is moot because it's for sure That's tighter. Cool. It's yeah. definitely one level more advanced than the two hooks because if I have the two hooks in, for example, I can't pummel with both hands to choke you. Yeah. Right, because there's still enough room for you to move your hips. Right. If I have an over under and I have a seat belt and both of my hooks are in, then I'm threatening your neck. If I go both over with just the classic back uh, two feet inside, two hooks in, yeah. then you can start to spin. Yep. But if I have the body triangle on, I can definitely put two arms over top yeah. of your shoulder to start to hand fight you, and yeah. the body triangle will lock you into position. Yeah. So it allows me to get a two, a double threat for the choke, and then because the body triangle is just so much tighter, it's hard to yeah. spin out compared to their traditional hooks. Don't get hooks. any points for the body triangle. Don't get anything. GGF zero. Zero. Get zero. Yeah. Which is crazy. And in fact, even if you take the back and you go straight to the body triangle, you don't even get the back points. Yeah. Because only the two hooks in get is what gets you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is fucking crazy. And then yeah. another stupid one is like, you know, I uh, is like if I'm in the bottom side control and I just bridge you over and I get on top, that's mm -hmm. no points. Yeah. Because I didn't pass the guard. Yeah. And a sweep requires to have some form of guard. Right. Which is fucking stupid. It's a complete well, reversal. position anyway. Yeah, but it's yeah. a complete reversal. Yeah. Like the scale of dominance just shifted completely like 180 yep. you score no points for that yep. which is fucking crazy if i pass your yeah. guard right off a takedown i don't get any points for that yeah because i didn't pass your guard because you didn't have a guard yeah. but what if yeah. i take you down and i go into your close guard or if i take you down and i go into your side control you know i don't get any points for that are you kidding me like yeah that's major crazy. and i used to have like major major discussions about this over some beers so i feel a bit of deja vu but yeah i get what you mean the thing is ibjf is so cemented in not just the local scene but universally right if you like the world champion is ibgjf champion right so it's gonna be hard to change the meta game you know but yeah i like the adcc rule set but the thing is this is this is what the business of ibgjf is in they're into making regular people feel badass this is this is what i think it's it's easy to pull guard and like and like attack submissions and attack sweeps but it's hard to fucking wrestle man and that's what you gotta do in the adcc yeah so yeah well, they have the best rule set because they have the clean, the clean takedown, mm -hmm. right? The clean takedown is if I take it down immediately past your guard, that's worth more points. Yeah. Right. Four which points. It should, yeah. Which it should be the case. Yeah. There's reversals, mm -hmm. which should also be the case, right? Like. Yeah. Again, same example. I, I'm in bottom side control. I bridge you over, get top side control. Yeah. That's a reversal. I mean, the fact that they don't have reverse, reversals scored as points is fucking insane. Like, how is that not? You can just add that now. Mm -hmm. Like that's not mind blower like you don't have to they just put so much emphasis on the guard yeah which I is agree. cool i mean it's important but it's not all there is you can still do stuff without the guard mm. this is coming from a guy that competed ibgjf his whole life like i started competing at 17 years old ibgjf so 
I think it I think it allows you to play very deeply into a game that doesn't don't, don't get me wrong, I love it. Like, I started off doing it, and I still think it's very viable. It's better than doing like karate point fighting, for example. Right? But I think that there is room for improvement. Um, when I first made the transition to MMA, I had so much trouble in just like playing the guard, for example, especially in the like gi. MMA guard, right? Yeah, it's so different, man. Than BGJ guard. Yeah, so like, like all your De La Hiva, all your Berimbolo, that's like 70% of that is out of the window. So, yeah, even just that. And the whole meta is different as well. It's like, basically, when I was competing in white and blue belt, I would just pull guard. Basically, if I pull guard and you can't pass, I win. There's no other way for you to beat me, right? Yeah. Aside from an advantage, like a near pass. If I pull guard, I have all the submissions available. You don't have shit because you're not allowed to, like, heel hook, right? And, and if you fall back for a, a leg. Two points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's two points if I get up. So, if I pull guard and you can't pass, I win automatically. That's why everybody put guard. Pull, uh, Pulls guard. It's just yeah. so much more advantageous for that scoring system. Yeah. So, so like my guard got good, but like my takedowns can't single leg for shit, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not knocking on IBGF. I still think it's viable. I still think it's good. My tournament is run on IBGF rules, uh, but I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna change it. But if you wanna do MMA, uh, I should train some ADCC rules, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not opposed to. Th I don't think they need to re you know reinvent the wheel. Yeah. But I think something like reversal points. It's just yeah, obvious. Yeah. I mean, that's just obvious, right? Like, Jesus Christ, what are we doing? Mm. Reversal points have to be a thing. Like, y every point doesn't have to come from the guard. Yeah. You know, there are reversals that you can do that where you're, you're not in the guard. I mean, for example, even something as simple as, like, let's say I'm on the bottom turtle, right? Bottom turtle is a weak position. Someone right. could potentially transition to your back. Yeah. And some people can, uh, you know, threaten guillotine, dars, collar choke, any number of crucifix if you're yeah. major students or something, right? Yeah. Because they all have that, that rolling crucifix from yeah. the top, from yeah, the top tight position. Man. And uh, something as simple as, like, wrestlers do this all the time, right? There's all these – there's a whole system of moves designed to go from bottom turtle to top. Yep. Right? For example, peeking out, yep. reshooting, where you just – uh, you know, you thread your leg through, you come back and you get the top front headlock. Yep. That is such a dominant switch. Yeah. You're basically going from being on the bottom where somebody can spin to take your back or threaten you with guillotine to being in the same position with them. Like, that's top to bottom. Yeah. That's top to bottom. Yeah. It's the same concept, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going from an inferior position on the bottom and even according to like IBGGF scoring, that's kind of based on your ability to strike. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, if somebody's sprawled on top of you, they can strike you to the side of the head. They can elbow you. They can threaten you. If it's one, they can knee you. Yeah. Right? I mean, that yeah, is that's a, a game fucking changer. weak position. Yes. If you can go from being bottom turtle to top, I mean, Jesus Christ, that's as dominant a switch as anything. Like, In and then I've not to mention you can threaten the back. I mean, yeah, you yeah. can knee the fucking head. Yeah. Pride. Like, headlock position and cradle position is a killer in 1FC. It's better than mount. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think about if a guy gets mount? So, so like I pass you right away, I mount, and you bridge over, and I end up in close guard. Do you think the guy should get two points? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Because uh, there's a difference between an escape and a reversal, yep. in my opinion, right? Like, a reversal is, is like that, right? Mm -hmm. The one I just described. I go bottom side control. I bridge you off. I get top side control. Yeah. I go bottom turtle, and I get on top in the sprawl position, right? Those are dominant. Those are reversals. If I if you mount me and I upa I bridge you off that's an escape yeah escape not the same thing as reversal I agree with you on mm. this because I don't think you should get points after being mounted you know <laughs> yeah that's the thing like some of my students thought that was a sweep and I have to explain no no that's not a sweep that's an escape yeah you're obligated to escape there's no offense from yep, that I agree that's just recovery it's like giving points for escaping like back mount mm. like you shouldn't you know shouldn't be in the position in the first place one thing I think could be interesting and this is what they do in wrestling is 
the only escape point that they allow is going from being on your back or being on the bottom to standing up clean break. Okay. I wouldn't mind that because what it would do is it would incentivize, first of all, the bottom person to also stand up. Right. Not just play guard. Right. If I stand up and I get away, because that's martial arts. Yep. That's martial arts. I don't care what your jiu-jitsu academy or your Muay Thai academy tells you. If you go in for self-defense mm-hmm. and they tell you to play fucking guard off your back yeah. with somebody on top of you, play to like enclosed guard. Oh, you're just going to play guard when you're what? Getting elbowed and punched in the fucking head by 10 other people. The number one thing you need to do is get away, stand up and go get help. Yeah. So the martial arts code should value that very highly. Someone's on top of you. How do you safely get up, break contact and get away? Yeah. So like, that's huge. If, if they incentivize that, not only would it incentivize the bottom person also standing up, but it would also make the top person have to keep you down which is a whole other part of gi jiu-jitsu that sucks. Yeah. Because it's like, we slap hands, we fist bump, I play top, you play bottom, and then that's it. You're obliged to play that You're position, obliged to right? play? Yeah, yeah. You, don't, yeah, you can just go there. But I don't have to do that. Like, you see the MMA, UFC, like yeah. just keeping people down becomes the whole game. Like freestyle riding. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think that should be the only escape point. So you get one point if you clean break because it benefits both sides, and then you should get reversal points for reversal switches with no guard in, right? Yo, Luke, when I was just starting an MMA, like I said, when I was 19 years old, I was making the transition from gi jiu-jitsu, just got my blue belt, to MMA. That was hard, man. Like, uh, yeah, just standing up. Just standing up was hard. Just keeping people down was hard, right? Just riding them and hitting them in the face. Yeah, so for sure, I think you should get points for standing up, but I don't think they'll ever do it. Because jiu-jitsu, <laughs> the god, boha, the guad, dude, but... It's martial arts. Yeah. And you think no standing up, you think standing up if somebody on top of you is not a dominant exchange? Like, man. And then, because the, the weakest part of like jujitsu specific stuff is that the bottom person just lays there. Mm. They only try to sweep you. That's the weakest part about it because, bro, if I get my elbow on the mat and I frame you, good luck holding me down. Yeah. Like, I'm not just going to sit back and just chill. Like, if yeah. you take me down and then the minute you t- I'm posting, I'm on my elbow and then, yeah. And then you yeah. have to like break me down and control me. Like that's the whole game. Yeah. So I think that they need to incentivize that. Just those little rule changes. They don't even have to change. They just have to add. To right? incentivize that, right? They're not going to do it though. No, but that yeah. should be the fucking <laughs> rules, man. That should be the fucking rules, man. Have you competed under the ADCC rule set before? Yeah, I've competed under all really? the rules, man. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll do that next year. I heard Grapple Asia is going to host a big one in Singapore next year. It's like qualifiers. Mm. I'm going to do that shit. Yeah. 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 As long as, you know, the only thing I don't, I love watching it, but for amateur at least, it's like slamming out of submissions. Oh, fuck me. I mean, I like it at the high level. Yeah. Like like uh, ADCC, the real one, I think you should be able to do it. But like local ADCC, mm-hmm. you can't fucking slam people out of a triangle and knock give the them fuck brain out. damage. You yeah. can knock the fuck out, but I once in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 18 years old, triangle some dude, just powerbomb me. Fuck. Yeah. I, yeah. I, my, my <laughs> wife has a story. I've told it on the podcast before. I, I made a joke one time, right? Yeah. Charmaine, my wife, had another girl, Joey, that trains at the gym. She had her in a triangle. And then, but you know, Joey's only been training for like six months. Uh-huh. So I looked, I was trying to make a joke. And I was like, Joey, slam her. I said it like with that oh, tone. Shit. And she was like, okay, cool. <laughs> fucking power bombed her. And then yeah. I was like, afraid Charmaine had a concussion. She had to fucking puke afterward. I was like, mm. oh, God. She didn't know I wasn't joking. And she and got then, like ceiling high. Uh, it wasn't quite. Like, it was a Rampage Arona yeah. style. It was kind of like. You know, holding slightly at the chest, but I mean, still a good yeah, few yeah, feet off yeah, the ground. Tuck your fucking neck. Man. It was a problem, and then I was like, "Fuck!" Like, yeah, not uh, the time to make a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Sometimes this was in this gym. That was in this gym. Oh, that was like fuck me, that was like man. a month ago or oh, two months ago or shit. something. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, that wasn't one of my proudest moments as a coach. <laughs> uh, the only two times I've got knocked the fuck out was in jiu-jitsu. Mm. Yeah. 
Is it? Yeah. Slam. <laughs> uh, both both off takedowns. So uh, I think takedowns are like the most like dangerous and volatile of all things. Falling body weight. Yeah, falling body weight is the most yeah. dangerous. I think John Danaher said that. Yeah. Yeah, falling body weight. Yeah, and, and I agree with him, man. Yeah, it's a fact. Yeah, shit, dude. Yeah, we got. I've got. Once I've got knocked the fuck out and just doing a just like a warm up where you do like takedowns. So I was going with this judo black belt and I got thrown on my head for shoulder throw, and I just completely like teleported. Like, I had no recollection of what happened. I thought I was eating supper with my friend. Like, I'm talking to you now. And like, boom, I'm in the gym in my gi. I'm like, and people are shaking your legs and you're like, Whoa. what the fuck? Yeah, shit, man. Have you had that experience before? <laughs> uh, I've never gotten knocked out, like, knocked out in training. I've gotten choked out in training. Oh, shit. Which is kind of similar, but not nearly as violent. You don't get the headaches and stuff. But it's yeah. always weird, right? Because you think you're good. And at the higher levels, you never get choked out, like... It's just an accident. You think you can escape when mm-hmm. you can't. Mm-hmm. Like, so you feel like you're safe in a position, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you know, you just, you glimpse up, and then there's like 10 people right in front of your face, and then people are shaking your legs, and you're like, what the fuck's going on? You yeah. have no idea what's happening. And then you quickly realize, and you're just like, oh, when was this? shit. <laughs> oh, geez, I haven't been choked out in a long, because I tap. I mean, I just don't fuck around with any yeah, of that I stuff. Yeah, too. I've never you know, been choked out. I've been tapped thousands of times. At this point, I have no ego about it. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. just tap. It was when I was a white belt. I got caught in a guillotine, and I was trying to go for the takedown at the same time. And then, like, I'm cutting the corner, and then all of a sudden, I'm just, I wake up, and then I'm like, ugh. (laughs) Yo, the only time I've gotten almost choked out was uh, guillotine as well, major. Yeah, I just keep, like, a cool face. Start gurgling, you know, and I tapped. Yeah, that's major shit. (laughs) We talked about that in the last podcast. Yeah, the lights went out. Shout out to major overall, man. Holy fuck. This is not too long ago. Oh, is it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He got me, like, a mounted guillotine. It's a bit of a crank, and then one tap. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you probably yeah. thought that's a crank. I'm good, and then yeah, <laughs> all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, man, fuck, yeah. So let's talk about your tournament, man. Let's use this as an opportunity to segue a little bit to the sure, uh, SG BJJ Open. Yeah. So uh, this is is this your first tournament that you've done? How many have they done? This is four. This is right? number four. It's actually five, but uh, officially it's four. Yeah, it's the first event was a pilot event and shit. Yeah, fourth event. So yeah. who are the organizers, and what made you guys want to do this? And Dude, like, everybody thinks, like, I, I had a master game plan, and I, dude, I started on a whim, and it was, like, a whim. I just started, like, talking to, to this guy. Uh, who I used to teach, like, beginners boxing at this gym, yeah? So I was in university, and then I had some spare money. So, yeah, taught beginners boxing, and I just, you know, just started talking, and, hey, it'd be cool. If you have all this mat space, it's, like, this mat space. It'd be cool if we ran, like, a jiu-jitsu tournament, man, because I, I used to time keep and referee for, like, Grapple Asia. So I had know-how, and uh, boom, the first event was a success. And I was like, whoa, let's make it happen, man. Yeah, it was awesome. It's, it's quite surreal. To I have, like, imposter syndrome sometimes. I'm just a blue belt. Yeah, so the last event, uh, number three. So I remember on, like, Gi Day, uh, going to brief the audience, and I see, like, this sea of people, like, their black belts. And I'm like, what the fuck? Holy shit, what did I get myself into? But, yeah, it's cool, man. Cool. Well, it's like that when you start anything new, that imposter syndrome. Hey, that's a real thing. Yeah, but I, I always got told the best advice I ever heard was fake it till you make it. Right. Because, like, yeah. everybody started from somewhere. And when you first start, you're kind of just winging it. I mean, even this podcast, right? Yeah. The first three that I did, I fucking cringed, bro, when I listened to myself talk. I'm going to cringe when I listen to myself. I too. still cringe when I listen to myself. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't explain myself clearly. Yeah. I'm going to do better for the next one. And then I fucking show up hungover to this one. So <laughs> clearly, clearly <laughs> yeah, I'm off to happens, a terrible. Man. I'm really learning the lessons of my previous podcast, mm. you know. But uh, listen, man, you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah, even this, yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's embarrassing, right? Like doing a podcast, if, if I don't 
articulate myself clearly, if I don't come across the way that I want to come across, like Mm -hmm. it just, but you have to just take those growing pains and continue on and then you try to build it, right? I always get like, man, do I sound like that? Holy fuck. (laughs) How could people date me? (laughs) It's weird. Yeah. It's weird when you hear yourself talk, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's fucking weird. weird. Have you done a podcast before? No, but I've been in several like advertisements in Singapore. Mm. It's like freelancing. I'm like, what the? Fuck, you look like that. Jeez. Yeah. Your eyes are small, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Got Asian eyes, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, when you go back and listen to this one, it definitely be a bit awkward. Yeah. I'm going to save it. But Send it to friends and family. Yeah. But that's cool, man. So wh- what's the plan? You're going to keep just doing these things as long as they're viable? Yeah. and. Yeah, I'm just going to keep running it. So uh, I'm not making any money of it. I'm making zero dollars. So it's, it's not like for charity, but... Um, Every single cent we made, we just reinvested it back into the business to help it grow. So it's so cool, man. I'm so heartened by the support of the local community. It's been really crazy. So, man, I love martial arts. So throughout this journey, I got, I got to meet, like, so many cool people. I get to sit here and talk to you now, and I get to sit and talk with black belts and shit. It's so cool. Yeah. So I'm just very heartened. So in this one and a half years that I ran this tournament, I've learned more than if I just had stayed in university and just continued my degree, you know. It's real learning. So, yeah, I, I'm glad I did it. It was something off the bucket list. Yeah, well, there's something about the hands-on, the hands-on training yeah, that sure. just you learn in a way that you would never can learn in a classroom. Mm-hmm. Even me starting this podcast, like the first four that I did, yeah. you know, when like 10 fucking people maybe listen to it and they're all my students. <laughs> and I'm just like, why do you want to hear me talk more than they do anyway? Because yeah. it's like most of the students that come in here and train, they hear me go fucking on and on and on about martial arts. And then the fact that they would want to listen to me continue on for hours uninterrupted it's a little embarrassing right especially if i don't come across the way that i want to but now this is episode nine yeah and so i know people are starting to listen a little bit you know i'm getting more and more views as time goes on. that's awesome and people are coming to me and talking to me about actually it's made me maybe we'll use this as an opportunity to segue to our next point but uh it's made me rethink kind of my responsibility as a public sort of speaker right not many people know who i am but I am sort of, I my, get what you my mean. opinions are out there now, right? Yeah. They're not just like, if you and me sit here and talk, I can say whatever fucked up shit yeah, I want. Just <laughs> talk shit. If you're cool, you'll probably <laughs> be fine with it, right? Yeah. But when it comes out publicly, it's sort of a problem. And, you know, the podcast is also named after my company. Right. And so even though, which is, disclaimer, will lead me to my next point, which is, guys, everybody, <laughs> as I continue to do more of these podcasts, let me make something clear. My views do not represent my company's <laughs> views. Okay. Likewise. Yes, exactly. Likewise. This is the Stronghold Podcast, yeah. and it's named after that for a little bit of brand synergy, yeah. right? Because my gym is Stronghold, my mm-hmm. podcast is Stronghold. But, you know, my company, we're owned by four people. We have like 50 students, we have a bunch of kids. My other owners do not necessarily think the same way about everything that I do. Yeah. I mean, I talk about fucked up shit on here, I swear, <laughs> all the time. And I also teach five year olds. Yeah. Right? I don't talk like that when I'm around them, mm-hmm. right? Like, if I have an opinion that I express on here, half the time it's just me talking shit. Yep. Sometimes it's my serious opinion. Yeah. And sometimes you may not be able to tell which one is which. Yeah, and sometimes maybe I don't even know which one is which. Yeah. It's just that if I say something that people find offensive or whatever, it doesn't mean that my company is, believes the same thing. And I can't be held responsible. My company can't be held responsible for some things that I say because they may not necessarily be the same opinion. 100%. you got to make disclaimers nowadays. So I know. Yeah. It's weird, right? I mean, I, I got in trouble. I'm not going to say who or exactly what, but people are starting to listen to the podcast and I'm getting in trouble for it, basically, yeah. is what's yeah. going on. It's PC culture, man. I shared a... I shared... 
I don't know what exactly I can say. I shared something on Facebook, yeah. and it kind of criticized uh, a gym. And it criticized a gym. I just thought it was funny. Okay. I, I didn't even care about the, the criticism. I didn't even see the gym's name. Yeah. I just clicked share because it made me laugh. Yeah. And then I got a message from some people attached to that gym. Oh, okay. They're like, bro, you have a problem with us? You have a problem with our academy? And I'm like, I, don't, I didn't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. And then people are asking me to like apologize and make retractions and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, first of all, I'm definitely not doing that. Like, that's not happening. I'm not, unless I feel it. Like, if I need to apologize for something, then I will. Yeah. But, like, listen, we can, you and I are about to say some critical stuff, I suspect. And we can critique things. We can critique events. We can critique certain people. Or we can critique ideas that are not necessarily, that doesn't mean that we're critiquing the whole thing. For example, 100%. I sometimes will critique Evolve or One or the UFC, yeah. or whatever. But listen, I watch every fucking one. I watch every UFC. I trained at Evolve. I know those guys. If I critique their instruction, or if I critique uh, a one event, or maybe we could talk about Angela Lee's suplex as well, mm -hmm. right? Something like that. I yeah. feel like that deserves critique. That's not me being like, one fucking sucks, or any of that stuff. I'm just talking about the incident. And if people listening can't isolate the criticism of the event or the person or the idea that's not associated with the whole thing, it's like, what are we doing? Yeah, we got to have a little nuance here. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, you got to be objective, man. Uh, yeah, so what are we going to talk about? Um, that suplex, though. Let's, let's start with that. Let's start with that. Because this uh, will illustrate the point that I'm trying to make, which is that we can criticize one particular thing yeah. and one thing that maybe Chatri did yeah. without being like, one fucking sucks. Because that's just not the case. Yeah. First off, I love 1FC. Uh, I love it. Uh, I started training in 2011. There wasn't no shit. There wasn't shit in Singapore. So I was a secondary school student. So I was like 16 years old. I was doing jiu-jitsu. It wasn't cool back in the day. Like, you know, even in Singapore, it wasn't cool. It was, so like I was training jiu-jitsu. So I was posting shit on Facebook. So everybody was like, what's that shit? Are you gay? Are you gay? You suck his dick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really like that back in the day. Now it's so popular and like a huge part of it. So it trendy. to do with 1FC. It's so trendy now. There's yeah. so much money in it. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, there was like five, six gyms. Yeah. Yeah. So there was like Evolve, Impact, Juggernaut, 5G, Impact with a K. That was about it. Yeah. Right? That was about it. There was yep. like five gyms. The BGGSG. Okay. Shout out to BGGSG. Yeah. Yeah, so back in the day, it wasn't cool. And then I remember the first 1FC came out and this attention just started coming in. There was some money. And 1FC is huge now, obviously. Like UFC just came to Asia for the third time. Sorry, to Singapore for the third time. So yeah, it's so trippy, man. Yeah. So let's, let's segue into the suplex right. yeah, issue, right? Because this is, this is, again, going to illustrate the point. Now, so for the listeners that don't know, Angela Lee is a huge, huge star. She's yeah. the women's Adam. She's probably the number one draw for one. I like her. Yeah, ever, I mean, dude, if you don't like her and you don't, both of the Lees, they get a lot of shit yeah. because of the evolved marketing. But if you don't respect their skill yeah, and their man. willingness to just get in there, like they don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. They don't give a yeah, fuck. Yeah, like yeah. Christian Lee's winning his Daggy. I did not pick Daggy to win that fight. I did not fight, pick that shit. And I didn't pick Angela to win that rematch either. Yeah, me too. And they both had a lot to lose. Right. A lot. Like embarrassing mm -hmm. losses. And then there was a high probability that both of those lost, both of them lose that fight. Yeah. I mean, Angela lost the first fight. Yep. Daggy went through the whole tournament, fucked everybody up. And you know, Christian's young and he got some favorable, uh, favorable matchups early me. on. And then, uh, so they had a lot to lose and they didn't give yeah. a fuck. They went in there, they put it on the line. They both won. They won that shit. Yeah. Now, uh, so impressive. going on to Angela, she won the fight. And the reason it's controversial is because the, 
the sequence that led to the finish. Right. She won by rear naked choke like in the last minute of the fight. Mm-hmm. And she did a belly to back suplex yep. to Zhang Jingnan, which led to her taking the back and getting the finish. Yeah. Now, suplexes are illegal in one, according mm-hmm. to Chatri. Mm-hmm. They've been illegal. And, you know, I saw an article that Angela Lee shared that said, oh, she didn't suplex her onto her head, so it wasn't illegal. First of all, that's bullshit. It's not where the, land, where the person lands. It's the technique. The technique is what's illegal. Yeah. It's not like, oh, they land slightly here, because you cannot judge that. Like, as a referee, you can't be, like, in the moment, oh, he landed slightly on this part yeah, of the head yeah. and this part of the head. Or it was, you know, right here, not, like, right here. Yes. You can't <laughs> expect the referee to make that distinction. Mm. The technique is what's illegal, not where you land. And I, I got the official tweet or the fi- official Facebook share that Chachi released after one of his guys got uh, disqualified after the fight was ruled a win. Yeah. And not only that, Christian Lee also... Lost a fight, was it a few months ago? Six months ago, maybe? Not that long ago. For the same technique, exactly Mm -hmm. the same. I mean, the technique is, and he got disqualified in the fight. So this is what Chachi released, and I'm going to just read the whole thing. Bear with me here, guys, if if you already know this. But uh, this is the CEO of One. And he said, One, Iron Will was full of surprises, some of them good and some of them bad. First and foremost, congratulations to all the athletes, blah, 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 blah. Okay, bullshit, bullshit. Unfortunately, I have to be the bearer of bad news. While I'm a big fan of Chris, let me get this name right, Kritsada Kongsurichai, I don't know, and his incredible athleticism, the fight against Robin Catalan has now been ruled a DQ. After careful video review of the fight under multiple angles, it has been deemed that an illegal suplex was utilized at one championship. And here's the distinction. Listen to this from the CEO of one. At one championship, all variations of suplexes are illegal, and any attempt or intent results in an automatic disqualification. Not exactly very shades of gray, right? Pretty fucking on the nose. Again, all variations of suplexes are illegal, and any attempt or intent results in an automatic disqualification. Yeah. It doesn't say, oh, if you land slightly on the side of your head. No, no, no. Any attempt leads to automatic disqualification yeah. now anybody look at me and tell me that that was not a fucking suplex get out of here yeah that was a suplex for sure number one <sighs> i don't think suplexes should be illegal i also in MMA. <laughs> i also don't think this should be illegal i also don't think this should be illegal number two uh i sympathize with chatri man um it's just a sticky situation, so I don't think I would have reacted. I don't think I would have sympathy for that without without having run my own event. But I've I've been in a few sticky situations like this, you know. Sometimes there's so many things to run that you end up eating your own words, you know. So I sympathize well, with that. Well, not only that, but he also deleted the comment. He oh, deleted shit. the post afterward. That yeah. that same day. Oh shit. Yeah, 24 hours later, the post that he that I just read you, he mm-hmm. deleted. Yeah. So what are you doing about the the suplex thing? You know. Nothing. Because it's one of their people. Yeah. I mean, sure. Christian Lee got disqualified for the same technique six months ago. Yeah. And then this technique, I think, was from a couple years ago or whatever. But it's obviously still the rule because yeah. he just got disqualified for it. They just introduced this rule maybe like two years, within two years. Mm. I, th- I think it's a dumb rule, man. I don't know why they introduced that. It's a dumb rule. But if you say that that's the rule, then that's mm-hmm. got to be the yeah, rule. Gotta, Otherwise, yeah. it's favoritism. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like it's blowing up into, into a huge thing. So. No, because he's controlling the PR response. Yeah. There's not the journalism, the, the <laughs> global journalism that you get with the UFC or yeah, something. Like yeah. it, they, it did blow up a little bit. People talked about it. Angela released her statement, and then it just died. Mm-hmm. But listen, 
That is bullshit. hundred percent. I agree. I think that the technique should be legal, and uh, I, I take nothing away from Angela, and if the referee didn't catch it, she should get the win, and then they should go back, rule it a no contest, run it back. As According an, to their rules. Mm-hmm. As an athlete, <sighs> Angela did the right thing, you know? It was a heated moment, boom. She did a technique, and uh, she won. So I would like to see that match happen again. But uh, on their side, I mean, I don't think they're going to do it. No, but you have to hold all the finders accountable to the same rule sets. Yeah, I Otherwise, agree. I mean, because this person, they again, now, here's the distinction, right? Because the person that uh, I just mentioned, the thing that I read, that person won also. And then they went back later and then went, ruled it a disqualification. Not no contest. Mm-hmm. They gave the win to the other person DQ. as a DQ. Okay. So, I mean, this is not even one of those things where... Oh, it's, I don't think Angela's a dirty fighter. I think she yeah. just did it. But the Lees clearly train suplexes. It's part of their... they both done it. Yeah. Literally, Christian just got disqualified for one within the last year. Yeah. And then Angela did this one. He suplexed Boku. I remember that. Fight. Yeah, yeah. He suplexed Boku head, too. Yeah, that was... Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. was the transition. Yeah. So listen, I'm not criticizing one as a whole company. I love what they're doing. They're bringing martial arts to Asia. It's good shit. Mm-hmm. But listen, they got to get consistent with this rule set because it's fucking cheating if you say that these are the rules. I agree. Even if it's a stupid rule mm-hmm. and then you... I think you just fucking make suplexes legal, man. I, I, maybe it's from an investor's standpoint, which is why they changed their whole name from one fighting championship to one championship. Yeah. So maybe it looked like brutal or something like that. But <sighs> Suplexes have been around forever, man. It's quite safe. How are they legal in wrestling? Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah. They're legal in jiu-jitsu. You can suplex somebody full on in IBJJF. It's yeah. legal. But yeah. then MMA, they can't. You can fucking shin somebody in the head. Yeah. But you can't suplex. Yeah. Like, that's great. It's legal in every form of grappling, mm-hmm. pretty much, unless you're like white belt, some exceptions or whatever. But I think it's legal, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. IBJJF, it is. Yeah. But I mean, I think they have rules too about like top of your head, for example. There are some suplexes. That I think you're not allowed to like power drive someone yeah. or like pick somebody up, spin them around a mat, and walk around and drop them in the head. I also think the belly to belly suplex is illegal in some combat. Like, you know, oh, really? wear belly to belly. I get you in a body lock and I go over my oh, shoulder. Oh, yeah, that's dangerous, man. Those ones are illegal. And I yeah. think that's fair. But yeah. belly to back, like, yeah. I mean, that's legal in every form of wrestling. That, yep. that should be legal. If yep. it's legal in grappling, wrestling, then it has to be legal in MMA. Yeah, but who knows what's happening behind the scenes, you know? It's probably an investor kind of thing. It's, this is what, it's my guess, all right? So, yeah, hopefully they legalize it. What do you think about the soccer kicks? Uh, I don't have a problem with them, to be honest. I didn't mm-hmm. have a problem with them in pride. Major loves it. I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of one. That's yeah, sure. fuck that. But, uh, you know, I think you can go either way. You can, if you make it legal, you make it illegal. I don't have a problem with it. I, I don't, for example, I like the... I don't like the rule where if I put a hand on the ground, you can't knee me in the head. Right. I think knees to the head from that angle should be legal. Are they taking away the rule now? Though? The, uh, the no, they just, rules or something they're, like they're, that? They're making it a bit more, yeah, they're, they're changing it a little bit. But yeah. the one I do think, even the one does that's wrong, is knee in the top of the head. Mm. I don't yeah. like that because it's vertebrae. Yeah. That's yeah. vertebrae. Yeah. So anything to the chin, to the side, I'm cool with. If you go straight down on the knee to the top of the head where you crush the vertebrae like that, yeah. I worry about like spinal damage. Yeah, it's hard to catch like though, that. especially when you get a guy in the front headlock, and like, it's the heat of the moment, you just start training knees. Yeah, know? I've seen people stop like that. But y- I mean, you could also push the head down, step off, and soccer kick. That is true, but it's illegal now. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm. I think it's far more brutal. It's such a dynamic technique, though, man. Holy it's a fucking shit. game changer. Yeah, it is hundred percent. No, and I'm, I'm a fan of like those anything that's a working technique. Yeah. What's too brutal? Because the training modalities will switch and then people will learn to defend it and then 
I'm on the fence about that. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying this and I'm like, eh, well, maybe not. <laughs> uh, I heard uh, you and Major talk about left way, man. Let's talk a bit about that. Sure. Headbutts and shit. Yeah. Uh, so when I watch left way, I feel like I'm one of those like old boxing guys that hates MMA. You know? So that's, that's too brutal, man. It's like human cockfighting. It's like they're doing headbutts and shit. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, like a really big fan, but uh, Major likes it. And what's your opinion on it? Well, his theory is that what, kind of what I just said, that if you make them legal, that the training modalities will change and then people will be able to defend it more, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. And to, to some extent, I think that's true. But I think that there's some unknowns with the with the brain-to-brain trauma, yeah. the head trauma that you yeah, get sure. from headbutting. And then because, you know, the only thing that I had an issue with what Major said was he was talking about how the training modalities will change. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, how do you train to headbutt? Headbutting pads and shit. Yeah, you, you headbutt like one, two, pop. Like, yeah, yeah. How do you, okay, first of all, let's say you do that. How many headbutts can you throw before you fucking give yourself brain damage because you're slamming it, your head into a pad? trauma, yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, man, even man. if I take my head and I slam it a few times into a pad, five times I'm going to be like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, how do you train that? How do you train defending a headbutt without getting headbutted? Yeah. Oh, you got to pee. Okay, so, uh, all right, guys, we'll take a break here, because actually, I got to pee, too. So we'll go, we'll come back, we'll talk about some headbutting, and we'll talk about maybe some questionable belts. 100%. And then uh, we'll, we'll be back soon. All right, everybody, Stronghold Podcast, Episode 9. We'll see Stronghold you soon. Stronghold Podcast. Hello, everyone. We are back with the Stronghold Podcast. Alvin damn near pissed his pants on the way to the toilet. Yeah, well, so, it was a very close run thing. <laughs> sorry for the abrupt uh, segue, but it had to be done, or he was going to piss his pants. Yeah, I had three beers and two coffees. Can't can't help it sometimes. Yeah. All right, man. So let's get to <laughs> let's get to the good shit. This is why everybody's probably going to listen to our podcast. Um, so let me just outline what's going on here. You made a Facebook post that yep. kind of went viral, viral within Singapore, Singapore jiu-jitsu yeah. community mm-hmm. at the very least, you know. Yeah. And uh, your your Facebook post was criticizing the UFC gym and one of their coaches who was a, as a brown belt, and you were questioning the guy's rank. And, uh, you know, you did the post, and I don't know, how many comments did you get on it? I don't know, man. I got, a, got like, 100 shares or something crazy like that. Okay. Which in our community is a lot. Yeah, it is. It is a lot in Singapore. So 100 shares in any context is a lot. All right. Especially on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't only that. It, someone also put it on Reddit. Right. And then, uh, did you do that, or did someone else? Yeah, read it. No, I, I didn't do that. Uh-huh. Somebody else put that. But and I read then that, that shit. That went kind of viral for RBGJ as well. Yeah. And then the whole thing got kickstarted again. Yeah. And then, so it kind of went, you know, within our community, viral twice. Mm-hmm. And then, actually, the the Reddit thread was really interesting because I didn't know this, yeah. and this I think illustrates the point that you were trying to make even more is that there were other threads about this guy before you ever posted on Facebook. Yep. Your shit kind of went viral and it caught fire the most, but there were previous posts about this guy yeah. going back even before you said anything. Yeah, months ago, man. So, okay, so here's the story. Uh, so this guy first got exposed in a BGJ community group. So everybody already knew about him. Is this the one Major was talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's this like, Facebook group called BJJ Community Singapore or something. It's like a small group. It's like 100 to 200 people. Yeah, so usually we post about things like seminars or like competitions and things like that, right? So uh, I first came to attention maybe like two or three months ago, like some guy was masquerading to be a brown belt. People were getting pissed. I didn't really get involved in the matter because uh, other people settled it. So we, we kind of let him off the hook, right? So we thought the matter was uh, like forgive and forget, you know? So we, d- we didn't bring it up. It was all p- in a private group and uh, people texted him. Um, 
Should I say some names? So like Harold texted him and like uh, Suleiman texted him apparently. And and people people that actually have clout in the community. Yeah, like black belts and like like Harold's a brown belt. And yeah, so we thought he was like apologetic. So we, we literally have messages from him saying like, oh, sorry, I, I'm going to stop doing this shit right now. And like everybody just kind of forgot about it. And then one day in the morning, I woke up. It was to the point where he stopped wearing the belt, yeah, right? Yeah, he was, he was like wearing a white belt. Yeah, which you can see photos of online. Yeah. So one day I woke up and uh, so I, I run SGBJJO, right? So there were people in the groups just sending me shit. I uh, just... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> problem, Sorry. man. I just woke up on the wrong side. Could I again? Okay, maybe not. I'm good. I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I saw this shit and I got so pissed. There it is. Okay, go on. <laughs> so I made that post, man. Mm. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. You made the post. Uh, and, uh, and without going into the crazy details, what did the post say? What, you know? can't remember the post, but it's like, like, like hey, um, this guy's not a real brown belt. He's a scammer and da-da-da-da-da. And first off, I made the post not to criticize UFC gym. I was actually really trying to help them. I wasn't trying to be sarcastic on anything. Mm. But this guy is, to me, not a real brown belt at all. So I, I'm going to live and die by that. So, yeah, he's not a brown belt. He's not a blue belt. He's like a white belt, zero stripe. And he should be a white belt, zero stripe. And, uh, yeah, I don't care how somebody tries to twist words or how many certificates you get. I can get a certificate saying I have a big dick, but I don't have a big dick, you know. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Ladies. And yeah. So the truth is the truth. So. Okay. So let's, let, let, let me give that story a little bit of breadth on top of what you just said. So first of all, I think a lot of the criticism, at least from the UFC gym standpoint, was you calling him a fake brown belt. And I talked about this in the podcast with Major is I think that the, the conversation has shifted a bit mm-hmm. about what does it mean to be a fake brown belt? Well, it can mean two things. The first thing is that he's wearing a belt that no one gave him. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is that his skills are not brown belt level. Yeah. And I, I kind of investigated the story, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, through one of my contacts in the community, I was able to get in contact with both of the coaches who signed off on his cert. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I sent them a message, but they're Brazilian and their English is... Pretty, sent him something in Portuguese pretty, pretty rough. Yeah. No, they, they responded back in English, but, you know, maybe they did Google Translate or something, and yeah. it was just a disaster. <laughs> I couldn't understand yeah. a fucking word of it. Yeah, but one of my business partners speaks Portuguese. Ah, cool. So I sent him their information, and I asked him to re- respond to him in Portuguese and then yeah. have him tell me, like, okay, first of all, not only did they give it to him, mm-hmm. but what were the requirements for him to get it? And I got back some pretty suspect shit. So the first thing is, it does seem that the brown belt or the black belts who signed off on his cert legitimately gave him the cert. So one question, just to give the guy credit, excuse me, is that he seems like he did not lie. He did not forge a document. The people, the Brazilians that he said signed off on his cert actually signed off on his cert. Are they black belts? Are they, they are black belts. Black belts? They're, they're black belts, and they are legit, but there, there are some caveats here. I, there were some pretty weird responses from the Brazilians, and one of them was that, they, they first of all, they said a couple weird things. The first thing was that they gave him the brown belt, but then they said, and I told them, I was like, listen, it's created some controversy in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, uh, you know, I called you one of my students just for the sake of the argument. And I said, one of my students, a guy I know, is threatened to being sued. Yeah. yeah cease and desist. Yeah. I'm trying to expose More this guy. More than a cease and desist. So. Yeah. And, I'm, and I was like, so this is actually becoming quite a problem. Legal issues mm-hmm. might be taken because people are calling this guy out. Yeah. 
Uh, so I wanted to know exactly what was going on. And then he, the first thing he said was when he promoted him, when he graded him to the brown belt, his skills were okay. But if his skills have deteriorated since then, no, it's not his fault. No, now, first of all, no. bullshit. Yeah. Because if you're brown belt skill level, that shit doesn't go away. You can give me a legitimate brown belt. You can, they can not train for 10 fucking years. And they still will have the muscle memory in their body to do the 100%. techniques right. 100%. Their timing might be off, but they will still not look like a fucking white belt. That's not how skills work. Yeah. You can be, a, again, imagine, imagine being a fucking uh, an artist, mm-hmm. right? You're, maybe you draw. Yeah. And you're a black belt at drawing or a brown belt at drawing. You're a really good drawer, right? Yeah. yeah. Or a piano player or guitar player. You take 10 years off, I guarantee you, you can still crush the shit out of that guitar. 100%. You can you still play never that become piano. that, that level. You're going to hit an odd note here and there, right? If you're, if you're drawing, you might hit a stroke with your pen that you normally wouldn't do, yeah. but that thing is still going to look good. You won't be sharp, but you'll still be you. you know? Yeah. You'll still your be your skill belt. level will be yeah. apparent. Yeah. So that was one. Now, <laughs> the next two things that the, the guy who signed off on his belt said made it even more suspicious because he goes, okay, I, uh, I, I did grade him as a brown belt, but that I did not grade him as an instructor and I didn't grade him as a competitor. How did he grade him, though? Yeah, exactly. And then my response was, so what How? the fuck did you grade him for? If he's a brown belt and you're saying, but he's not qualified to teach and he's not a competitor, then what? what Number one, he cannot do a forward roll. <laughs> he can't shrimp. It's not about fucking brown belt, man. Yeah. It's not a blue belt. And I watched some of the techniques videos, and, I mean, you want to know just guilt by action. He deleted all of his technique videos. Mm-hmm. The ones that you can still see are not good. There's a video of him. You can still see it. It's on the Reddit page of him teaching like a knee bar mm-hmm. where he kind of rolls into a knee bar. He doesn't yeah. even know how to apply force opposite the joint. Yeah. I mean, this is basic, basic, basic Man. shit. At this point, I'm not even mad. I, I, I feel like just sorry for, for the people that hired him and they just got taken in, you know? So, yeah. Um, I don't understand, man. If if you ha- if you want to put so much effort into paying money for a brown belt and all that kind of shit, you just join a gym and just get it in a few years. You know what I'm saying? It's I really don't understand. So why why anybody will fake their their credentials allegedly? Um, I have an even in- more interesting piece of information too. Oh shit! That I, that I just <laughs> that I just got. And now I gave word that I wouldn't say this per who this person is, but let's just say. I'll tell you after. Okay. I think I may have told you already, but I got information from one of the coach that knows him and seen him train, and that there's pictures of them together. And the guy told me that he wasn't even a blue belt. And this is one of the people, one of the coaches that saw him train. Yeah. This is one of the black belts. Saying the truth. So now I also agree. Major also agreed. I know that my hair commented in those comments. Mm-hmm. I know that there are other high legit quality people. people. Legit people. I've not met a single person in Singapore that's a purple belt, at least, who can vouch for... And if this is a brown belt, he should at least be able to beat some low-level purple belts. And I've not met a single person who can vouch for this guy's quality. And every instructor who I trust, whether they saw him train or uh, saw his technique videos, all say that this guy's skills are not there. Right. Look, there's no way you can be a brown belt in Singapore without somebody knowing that you're a brown belt, you know? Without rolling with some people. Look, the community is small, yeah? There's no way you... There's just no way you can be a brown belt in Singapore without people knowing you're a brown belt. So, it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, I stand by my... I stand by my roots. 
So. Yeah, I stand by your reaction too, which is why, I mean, we didn't really know each other much before, yeah. before this whole thing happened. And then I just kind of sent you a message when I heard about this and I was like, bro, tell me, tell me about the story. This is fucking juicy. I want to, I want to yeah. get details. Yeah. And then you and I started the chat and then I could, and the reason I took your side immediately is because I can see, I, can, I looked, I saw the videos, I saw right. the technique videos mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I just know that that's horse shit. Yeah. And anybody with any experience, real experience can see that too. And then this brings us to the next point. Let me make a disclaimer first. Listen, to the people that train at the UFC gym, I mean, even in your thread, right, there's a lot of the white belts at the UFC gym who are like, His, it's not bullshit, it's not bullshit, he's legit, he's legit. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, so first thing, it seems like his brown belt is real. In other words, meaning that someone signed off on it. That does not mean that his skills are there, and I can tell you they're not. They're yeah. not. Okay, 100%. so if you're a white belt and you're training at the UFC gym, there are legitimate black belts there. There yeah. are legitimate jiu-jitsu instructors there. And in fact, this guy was not even a jiu-jitsu coach. Yeah, so that's what I heard. The real coaches there, they are qualified. Mm -hmm. The black belts that teach there are legitimate, and yep. they, are, they know their shit. So I'm not saying that they don't have other qualified instructors, but this guy should not be wearing that rank. He did not earn it. And yes. I think my suspicion is that he paid somebody to come in, rank him, and then that was it. That's now, what I think as well. I'm going to say allegedly, mm -hmm. based on my experience. I'm going to say allegedly a lot right here. And then I'll go further to say the people that are training Muay Thai under him, he's not also a qualified Muay Thai coach. I'm just going to go there and say it. Yes. I, saw him, I saw him holding pads. And that is not what a high-level pad holder can do. So I'm going to go even further. Okay, well, we can change the narrative. It was brown belt or whatever. He shouldn't be teaching Muay Thai. Yeah, look, I'm not trying and to. And Major do. agrees too. We, yeah. He said it straight up <laughs> on the last podcast. Yeah. He said the same thing. Look, we're not trying to block anybody's way of earning money, you know? But, okay, look. if What does it say about you as a person if you allegedly buy a fake belt to masquerade as somebody you're not? And should you be held in a position of power where you get to coach other people and you get to be put in charge of kids and women and people who are new to the sport? You know, you're in hell. You're in a lot of power. So there have been things... That happened in Singapore before. I don't know if you want to bring that up. That uh, I can't. I'm too controversial. This is what I got told. I'm not, allowed, <laughs> I'm not supposed to talk about certain things anymore. Yeah. So <laughs> My podcast is rubbing people the wrong way, apparently. <laughs> this happens all the time, in, both in Singapore and overseas. So I'm not trying to police. I'm not trying to be a dick. Like, I'm not getting any money out of calling people out. I, I, I'm not getting attention. And like, like what? Like, like I, do I like getting sued? No, fuck that. But somebody has to say something, you know? Otherwise, people are going to get hurt. Women are going to get hurt. Children are going to hurt. Newcomers to the sport are going to think the sport is like a fucked up sport, which it isn't. So somebody has to say something. And there's also value associated with the skills that these people are going in to learn. Yeah. Whatever the UFC gym's fees are, I don't know what they are, mm -hmm. but you expect with that name a certain... First of all, let's make a couple points. One, that let's say whatever their fees are, right? Yeah. You think that going in, you pay this per month, you're getting quality instruction. Mm -hmm. While I know that there is quality instruction there, for example, I know one of the Muay Thai coaches. He used to work for me. Ismail is one of the Muay Thai coaches yeah. there. He trained with Krunoy, who's my coach. Mm -hmm. So I know he's, he's a good coach. He's a really nice guy. He worked for me at Trifecta. Okay. So I know for a fact that he's good. Yeah. Uh, what, two of the black belts that are working there, I know they're qualified. Okay. I just, black belts. I know that they're qualified. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying all you UFC gym Singapore people – that your gym sucks or that they're, they're talking shit. No, we're not. We're yeah. not talking about the company as a whole. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about this individual incident in this particular 100%. guy. 100%. And to extend beyond that, I am going to say something a little bit more <laughs> controversial, which <laughs> is good, to get to, op just because the gym is called UFC Gym, mm -hmm. 
does not mean that it's the highest caliber training. All yes. you have to do is pay to license that name and then meet their criteria, and yep. then you can be a UFC gym. They had other gyms in the U.S. that were UFC gyms where they also had fake belts that were exposed, fake black belts. Yeah, I read about that. You can look it up online. Mm-hmm. So just because you put UFC gym in your name, if you're a new person, if you're a white belt, does not mean that the quality is there necessarily. Mm-hmm. There's also UFC gyms that are run by Frankie Edgar. Right. And there's also high-quality UFC gyms. I'm not, yeah. But listen, there's hundreds leased across the world. All you have to do is pay for the name and then meet their standards and conditions, and you can be a UFC gym. Yeah, there's a lot of money in the brand, man. Um, yeah, so number one, like, I love you, UFC. Um, but that post wasn't to insinuate against the whole gym, so people kind of took it that way. I think uh, it opened a can of worms. But yeah, it's to it's to say that it's it's not brown belt, man. It's not brown belt skill level. So he shouldn't be teaching if he is teaching. Um, shouldn't be even be wearing that belt. So I stand by that, and uh, I'll show you some love, UFC gym. And uh, yeah, hope this matter gets resolved. Yeah, and you know I think that they should look into his Muay Thai credentials too. Yeah, I think that's they should. what he is paid to do. And, you know, if they want to pay a pad holder, okay, he can kind of hold pads. Like, he knows how to he knows yeah. how to hit back, and he kind of knows what he's doing, but those are not skills. You can get somebody better for the same pay. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, listen, I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah. That, that is what it is. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to talk, because I wanted to get your opinion. Because you were getting – one more thing yeah. before we get involved. First of all, again, not to criticize the UFC gym in particular, but there are elements of it that deserve criticism. And their response to you – Deserves criticism and fuck that. Yeah. Go ahead and say what they told you with, with what you feel like. Just the mm. post that you can, the public thing, not the internal shit. But just yeah, look, I was in Bali, so um, this whole matter just blew over already. Yeah, so everybody kind of forgot about it, and I got um, except me. I keep bringing it up every <laughs> fucking week. I'm making it. I'm making it worse. I'm not helping at all. Uh, yeah. So I, I got a message from the official UFC gym company Facebook. Like, like, hey, Alvin, you're going to get, a, like, a, like, a lawyer's letter. First off, I already knew I was going to get a lawyer's letter because I, I met with the owner. And I had a talk with him. I really enjoyed that talk, actually. I had a two-hour talk with him. Two and hours. Yeah, two hours. Two hours. The length of this podcast. So, yeah, um, had a good talk. thought he was a nice guy. And I, he told me midway through, like, hey, man, we're going to send you a cease and desist letter. Like, just take the post down. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Take the post down. No offense, you know. Sorry, I caused so much trouble. But this guy isn't da 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 So, yeah. So, it was weird that I got the, the message in public, you know. It was just like. Well, what did, they, what did their message say? It was not. <laughs> it was not. It was a fucking disaster. Yeah, it was the it was bitchiest a, fucking. Yeah, it was pure nightmare, pa- man. Facebook response I've ever seen. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Alvin, you're going to get a lawyer's letter from us. So, just, I was just like, yeah, like. Your boss told me I'm gonna get a lawyer's letter. Yeah, I know, and and like like let's see if you still be laughing after that. Yeah, you put LOL. Yeah, I put like, like I know. I already spoke to your boss. I was LOL. on a plane to Bali, bro. It was just chilling. Yeah, and then they they so the first like they're like, hey, you need to quit talking about this, blah 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 blah, and you're gonna get a, you're gonna yeah. hear from our lawyer. And then you were like, I know, I already talked to your the owner of your company, LOL. And then they go, yeah. Oh, you're laughing soon. You won't be, or you're laughing now. You won't be laughing soon. I'm still laughing now, bitch. <laughs> Something to that effect. Yeah. And that is just, what are you doing? Yeah. So man. again, this is me clearly saying that there there are elements of the UFC gym that are of quality, but whoever put that fucking Facebook post on is a bitch. That is bitch stuff. Wow. Like, what? Hey. Are you so catty? 
Are you yeah. so bitchy in a fucking public Facebook post that you're going to be like, oh, you're laughing now. You won't be laughing soon. Yeah, really? wow. Listen to the community. This is not just you. Listen to the entire jujitsu community in Singapore that's saying that this dude's skills don't pay the bills. Listen to Major, who owns a fucking gym in Singapore, who's a one championship fighter. He's been fighter. training for 15 years. Yeah, me. I've been training for 15 years. I said it in the last podcast. The collective training in that post would have been hundreds of years <laughs> of martial <laughs> exactly. arts training. And the UFC gym is like, fuck you, talk to our lawyer. Yeah. It's like, bro, you're in this community. Listen to the community when they speak. Mm -hmm. Like, listen to them. These are the people that are going to be paying your bills. These yeah. are the students that you need. When they all collectively agree that they need to find somebody else or they need to speak to this guy about his quality, you shouldn't make shitty posts like that. You should listen. This is the community that you're now a part of. 100%, I agree. And yeah, it's that I don't know who is managing the Facebook account. He's, he probably shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. I, I wouldn't let him run my Facebook account. So yeah, that's, that's a nightmare, man. So uh, to the owner. I love you, man. You seem like a you seem like a nice guy. You can you can get better, guys. Okay, here's a proposition. I can run UFC Gym Singapore Facebook account for free for three months. I'll do it for free. Mm -hmm. I'll reverse I'll reverse all the damage done, man. I'll do it for free. I'll do it for free for three months. And uh, yeah, so I don't. I think I think he's a nice guy, man. I just think the management isn't up to up to standards, you know. Well, I have a, I have a student, and this like. You know, he's he was my student for years. Yeah, I said his name on the last podcast. I'm not going to say it again. But <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a purple belt for me now, but he was a okay. blue belt with me like six or seven years ago. Yeah, I know who so he is. I mean, he's like brown belt level. He's mm -hmm. wearing a purple belt now, but he was a blue belt for six or seven years. Like fucking legend, this guy, really good. Mm -hmm. And he told me the first thing he said was that the management there is shit. Now I'm not saying this. I'm not. This Allegedly. is not my allegations. I don't know. I've never been there personally. Yeah. But I'm just telling you what a student of mine who trained there for seven months told me. The first thing he said was that the management is shit. Yeah. Because they brought in people who are not in the community. They're not from the community. They don't know how to manage a, uh, an MMA gym in Singapore. They don't know the market. They don't know what the needs are of the people. Mm -hmm. And then he could see that there's a clear disconnect. The instruction quality, this guy excluded, they have good instructors. But he said the number one he, thing he wanted to tell me was that there was a disconnect between the management and the staff and they don't know how to deal with the staff and they don't aren't part of this community mm -hmm. and you can see that with a poor hire and it just seems like a weird move to me that the whole community can collectively agree that this guy's skills aren't there and you're how good is this guy that you're going to go to bat to him for him so hard yeah like to get shitty with you and to inflame the whole community over this guy yeah are his that's the guy you want to bet your business on. Yeah. Because I know that they're struggling with this PR. Yeah. I know that this has been a problem for them. This is the guy you're going to go to bat for. Is your girlfriend or something? Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what did this guy do, man? What did this guy do that you're going to go to bat for him so hard? Yeah. I mean, listen, if I got an instructor here at Stronghold mm -hmm. and I released a technique video and then the whole community was like, what the fuck is this shit? I probably would not get mad at the whole community. I'd be like, uh, maybe I've made a terrible mistake. Yeah. Now. It's not that instructor's fault. It's my fault as a gym owner for hiring this guy. Mm. But if I can't distinguish what's quality and what's not, that's what the problem here is. The people that hired him don't know what they're looking at because all of us do. So when we see it, we can clearly see that that technique doesn't live up to it. But the people that interviewed him, be like, oh, brown belt, oh, signed off, okay, cool, yeah, come yeah. on for us, man. Oh, yeah. I teach Muay Thai too? Yeah, great, no problem. Boom, boom, without boom. watching him hold pads, without watching him and seeing. They don't know, man. They can't distinguish the quality yeah. from, the, from the shit. 100%. Look, 
I have one quote. You can quote me on this. If you're a white belt, shut the fuck up. Oh, man. You don't know what you don't know, man. Maybe I should label the episode that. <laughs> if no. you're a white belt, shut the fuck up. All love to white belts. Listen, I, I don't shut love, I love you, white belts. belts. But, like, hey, like, we've both been doing this for a long time, you know? Like, you can see when somebody shadow boxes for a minute, whether he's real or not, you know? So, I wasn't being sarcastic when I said, if you need any help, hit me up. I'll do it for free. Just drop me a text. Like, hey, man, is this guy legit? Like, you can tell, right? So, yeah, it's such a shame because I have nothing against the gym. I think it's a great thing that... Uh, Here's one thing I will say. Their facilities are fucking excellent. Yeah, it's great, man. Bro, Holy shit, their facilities cage. are fucking excellent. Yeah. Yeah, the location is good. Um, like, like I told the owner, I have nothing against the gym. Like, I think it's great. I think a rising tide lifts all boats, all ships. Mm. So, yeah, it's, I think it's amazing. I started off when, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, there's only five fucking gyms in Singapore that does MMA. And now there's like 20, yeah. right? Holy shit. It's such a, it's so trendy now. And like, man, I'm just, I'm just glad that I can be part of this whole thing. It's so cool. But, man, if there's anything you need help with, just drop me a text. I'm not being yeah. sarcastic, man. But with the rise of all these MMA gyms, you're also going to have the rise of the quality is going to start to go over and under and over and under. Does it necessarily have to, though? It doesn't just have need to. to have the right people, man. Which is why you need to listen to the community. Yeah, exactly. And which is why gyms need talent scouts. Why are you so butthurt, bro? <laughs> <laughs> but the gyms need to have talent scouts, right? Because yeah. you can't expect... I mean, whoever hired some people... Right, like, okay. If, let's say you're shopping around for an instructor. You're a gym owner. Yeah. And if I'm expected to be the person to hire coaches, and I don't know what a good coach is because I'm not within the community. Mm -hmm. But someone's like, oh, bro, I'm a black belt. I'm a brown belt. Yeah. You just know that, like, oh, he's a brown belt. That's, I know that's a – brown belts can be instructors, right, if they're of the general quality. Like, they can be instructors, especially beginner classes, no problem. Yeah. You know, you see a guy, maybe this guy had a few students on the side. He was teaching them PTs, and, you know, he had videos of himself online holding pads. And you look at it, and you're like, oh, you know, he's – Knows how to hold the pads and stuff. Yeah, he can't tell, though. You can't tell. Yeah. You can't tell, but the community can. So to have that response when the whole community is collectively trying to give you the hint. It says a lot, man. says a lot. I was surprised. Yeah, me too. I was well, surprised. I think that they're trying to get better because I know that they've hired some new coaches recently. Yeah. And then I know that some of the coaches that they've hired recently are more qualified. Yeah. So I don't know what their response is. And I heard that they're opening up a second location, which – to me is I'm, I'm, I'm split on it because one, I think you can learn lessons from this and my hope would be that they have learned lessons and then have better quality. Mm -hmm. But, but then two is like, maybe they haven't learned their lesson and they're still making money. Time will tell. Still, time will tell. But you know, again, just to reiterate the point, UFC gym, we're not talking shit about you. We're talking about this person. Yeah. And the same thing with you. Like, you don't have an issue with them or with even with this guy. I don't have an issue with this guy. Yeah, per personally. Mm -hmm. But the truth about the skill set needs to come out. Yeah, I haven't even met him. Before. Threatening to sue you for fucking ex like exposing this information is ridiculous. I did get a letter. Oh my god! Like, yeah. what are we doing? Like, yeah, the whole nature of martial arts is the feedback loop. Right. Your skills get better and better and someone gives you advice and someone gives you advice and you make micro corrections and you make micro corrections. That's the nature of our business and business so getting in general. This. Exactly. Yeah. That's, oh, I need to improve this. Yeah. And if you can't listen to the collective wisdom of all of the Singapore martial arts scene, then you're going in the face of the entire principles that martial arts are built on, 100%. which is the feedback loop. Yeah. And threatening to sue somebody who exposes something that's not pleasant to you is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad uh, 
one thing I must say, though, I'm, I'm so heartened by the support of the community. So I never did expect uh, something like that to go viral and not an attention whore or anything. But yeah, yeah. So it's, it goes to show there's a thriving community in Singapore that's willing to protect its own, you know. So we'll see how it goes. Um, once again, nothing against them. Hopefully they improve. And, uh, but I stand by my words. This guy's not a brown belt. Yeah, well, I stand with you. I agree it's with you. It's not a blue belt. Which is <laughs> well, I'm not going to speculate as to what his rank is because I haven't, don't know him personally, but I can tell you what I saw was just not. Yeah, skill-wise, um, no matter what the cert says, you know, skill-wise. The cert can say I can beat Joseph Schooling in swimming, but I can't even tread water, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, look. So, it's not like a... We're not trying to be elitist right here, yeah? So, I'm a blue belt. I've been blue belt for four or five years. I bled for this shit, man. Like, can't I dislocated both my shoulders. I spent thousands of dollars for this shit, you know. Competed all over just to get a blue belt, just to learn, just to grow in this amazing journey. You can't just, yeah, you can't just do that, man. It's not right. I'm, sh I'm sure you had some, you have some stories to tell getting a brown belt. Well, it's just, well, one of the things I talked about in the last podcast that I think is going to be sort of a problem to deal with in the future. And that's this sort of thing where you bring in instructors to give you belts. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I talked a little bit about open source jujitsu and you know, we're an open source jujitsu gym. Mm -hmm. We're part of the jujitsu brotherhood. There are other ones I talked about on the last podcast, like Globetrotters. Yeah. You know, they set up these academies all across the world because you know, let's say maybe you're in Myanmar or maybe you're in China or you're in one of these places, you can't get a black belt. There's no local black belts. Okay, so how do you go up your ranks? Maybe pe people get together in a small community and train. That's how I started. Mm -hmm. I was a wrestler. I'd wrestled for like two years. I'm 16 years old. My instructor's a blue belt, right? Because back then, back in the in day, blue belt was a five, god. In 2005, yeah. when I started training, there were no black belts in West Virginia. <laughs> like, there's just never a fucking purple belt was like a wizard. Yeah. Like that person was just a fucking magician. When I started back in the day, blue belt was a god, man. There was like five. There was like three blue belts in the gym. Yeah, and you're like that's then, a blue belt. Shit. So yeah. when I started, the blue belt was like, that was the teacher yeah. because there was no one else. So what do you do? Well, you, you call people, you try to get seminars, you try to bring people in to promote you. And, you know, you try to get a Brazilian if you were lucky, but maybe he, the guy was three states away. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of how jujitsu developed. And there's something to be said for that because, like I said, in my case, I've been doing this for 15 years. And then I had, because my instructors moved away, they moved to U.S., they moved to Brazil, whatever the case is, I'm stuck at four stripe brown belt. And I've been a brown belt for six years, and yeah, I've been a full time shit. and I've been a full time instructor for seven, because I was also an instructor as purple belt, and so, sort of the idea of open source jujitsu is made for people like me. I gave a story in my last podcast about Ali, who I had on episode three. His instructor was a twenty year brown belt, mm -hmm. twenty years as a brown belt. Yeah, listen to that in that podcast. Yeah. I mean, this guy just slipped through the cracks. Yeah. And I have a real sympathy for the jujitsu people that slip through the cracks. Yeah, it happens sometimes. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. I can name at least five students off the top of my head. Shane, one of my blue belts, he, he, uh, he was a white belt. He started with me, I think, at the first trifecta. So this would have been 2014, maybe like that. 15, something like that. It was a white belt. Went through all his promotions, came and trained all the time. I left for a year. I came back. I saw him win the sea, sea grappling. He won his division, and he won the absolute. Crushed everybody. Mm -hmm. Went to Evolve. Trained. Was training this whole time. Didn't even get a stripe. Didn't get, get he was like a four or five year white belt oh, who shit. competed, who trained all the time. Went to Evolve for a year. That's weird. Not shitting on Evolve. 
but he went there for a year and didn't get a single stripe. Okay. Misha, seven, six year, six year blue belt. He trained the whole time. Like, I have uh, two other students, Anon and Deborah, another student who trains with me. When I left, I promoted them like before I left, to before I left Trifecta and went to Malaysia. I came back and then it was like a year and a half and they were still training consistently and they didn't even get a single stripe. Mm. I mean, at that rate, they're going to be a fucking blue belt or a white belt for 10 goddamn years. I know some 10-year white belts, 10-year blue belts. I mean, if you stop training and you come back, okay, yeah. or if you train like one month you sign up, and then, you know, there are times where that's appropriate. Yes. But like, Jesus Christ, some of these people, like, what do you got to do? Mm -hmm. And I'm in a situation now where I feel it and it's like, kind of, what do you got to do? And it makes you feel like you're doing something wrong. Like, it makes you feel like, what, am I, what do I need to do to get the instructor's attention to improve mm. my technique? One of the things that drives me crazy about most Brazilian instructors is that they never want to talk about the belt. It's that's just a traditional thing, man. Yeah, it's a traditional thing, and it drives me crazy. Because, first of all, most of the people that train, at least with us, they're adults. Like, my students, they're fucking adults. 25, 30, 40 years old. And if they want to ask me, what do I need to do to get my blue belt? Or something like that. Am I supposed to be like, poor? No, it cannot. We, 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 you don't talk about this. This is sacred. What? It's like, motherfucker, you're older than me. I can't have an open conversation with you about, hey, you need to work on your hip escapes. Hey, you need to come once or twice more a week. Hey, you keep getting caught in arm bars, man. Hey, you don't know how to recover the guard. Mm -hmm. Like, if I can't give you a blueprint to get your next rank, it's my bad, my fault as an instructor. And so this idea that the promotion is sacred, like I should be able to clearly outline what you need to do to get, bro, you come once a week. You come once a week, it's going to take a while, whatever, right? Bro, you don't know how to fucking get out of an armbar. You keep doing the same shit. Come in early, drill that shit 10 minutes before class for three times a week, and we're good. Like there has to be an objective measurement for what you do to get your belt. And if people don't get promoted in their training, it just seems like they're just doing something wrong. And that will make people quit training. Right. I agree that you need to have a open communication, man, all the time. Um, yeah, but still, it's like BJJ is so like informal, right? The the grading system, which I like. I like to. Uh, yeah, um, it's not like you do a certain kata. Like you can swim, you can forward roll. Okay, you're a blue belt, but it's up to it's totally up to the instructor. So, yeah, I agree that you need to have an open communication with your instructor. You gotta have a, that that bond with your instructor, man. If you don't have that thing going on, if you don't like it should think about training elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. And, and going back to my point about the open source thing, mm -hmm. I think you're going to have a rise of quality differentials as jiu-jitsu gets more and more popular. More and more people do it. People want to take the easy path. People want to pay for belts. People want to do... Because, you know, if I got money, it's like this is kind of notorious in China. They always say the Chinese black belt is a blue belt. That's really? the joke. That's the joke, right? Oh, shit. oh you know, he's a Chinese black belt. What's that? A blue belt. <laughs> you know? Oh, fuck. This is kind of like the joke that people oh, say. Wow. And it's because a lot of them, and I've heard similar stories from high-level Brazilians or uh, high-level black belts where they told me that if you go to Abu Dhabi mm -hmm. or the UAE, mm. they, they, you know, they have money. They pay these people. They have money. And they will pay to basically get promoted. And so you'll get some black belts there who are like blue belt level. Wow, and that's, sucks. that's what happens in China, too. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine if you're a Chinese rich as fuck person mm -hmm. and you fall in love with martial arts and you want to open up your own gym. You can even call it UFC gym if you got the money, mm -hmm. right? If you franchise that shit. And then you get in contact with the Brazilian who lives in a fucking favela who's a black belt. And then you can pay them whatever you can pay them, which to them might be huge amounts of money. I'm speculating. But you can imagine 
right? I'm not too far off here with the possibility of this happening. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you pay them whatever you pay them, and then they're in a desperate situation, so they kind of just sign the check on some integrity, and then boom. Yeah, man. They're probably not going to do it for a black belt, but they might do it for a purple belt. For sure, do it for a blue belt. Might do it for a brown belt. Oh, for sure. Blue belt, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Black belt, that's tough. It'd be hard to get a, a lot of guys to give that away. But I don't doubt that it's happened. Apparently not for brown belts. Yeah. <laughs> the line's got to be drawn somewhere. I would think that that's about it. That's yeah. probably the line. Mm. Wow. I didn't know about this China thing, man. Yeah, Chinese black belt is a, yeah, shit. Is a blue belt. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, yeah, I'm a fucking blue belt. So I don't know how much my opinion counts in this thing. But uh, I think... I think we, we, we should keep, like, a strict, like, hierarchy and belts, you know? Like, it has to be earned. Otherwise, you'll become, like, karate or, like, taekwondo, you know? Yeah, we're, like, we're like if you say you're, like, a taekwondo black belt now, people just, like, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah. My 18-year-old cousin's a taekwondo black belt, you know? It's, it doesn't have that, it doesn't have that aura of mystique anymore. Back then, if you were blue belt or purple belt, you knew you could kick ass. Like, this guy's badass. If it's a purple belt, he's badass, you know? So, I think we should keep that shit. The meritocracy is the most beautiful part of jiu-jitsu. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because people give the blood, they sweat, their tears. Yeah, I've man. cried after training. I have to. I mean, I've literally like fucking been like, "Why am I so dumb?" Like, whatever. <laughs> you know, I can't believe I caught that shit again. Especially it's in training embarrassing, camp. Embarrassing, man. Yeah. I mean, it happens, right? Yeah, training camp in particular. because yeah, the stress and all that kind of stuff, like. You know, grown-ass man crying like a bitch because he got tapped out in training. Like, I was crying in the MLT, man. I was like, fuck. Dude, it happens, yeah. and you're like, why am I doing this? I fucking suck. I should just go home. Yeah, and then so man. when people come in and they reap the benefits without feeling that suffering, that's why the community comes out so hard. It's not just about vengeance, though. It's not just like, oh, I, I bled for this shit, so you should bleed for this shit, too. But it's like, when, if you're a black belt, like a brown belt, even like whatever, like an instructor, you have a position of power in the gym, right? And I heard you talk about this, maybe in the first, was it with Chris? Mm. You talked about this, right? So I listened to that shit and I agree with you, man. Like, yeah, it's it so weird with here. Chris and Josh Robinson, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like an instructor has almost like, almost like a cultish kind of, kind of power in the gym, yeah? So, man, if you... An absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yes. Very hard to resist the urge to, yeah. to yeah. dip your toes into the women, the whatever that yeah. comes with the perks the of being the, the alpha of the alphas, right? If yeah. you're the coach at an MMA gym, the currency is kicking ass. Yep. And if you're the best at kicking ass, there's going to be some temptations that come yeah, your way. The top dog, man. That are going to be tough to avoid if you're not of sound yeah. mind, you know? Yeah. Fuck. So imagine if you were like a, like not a real black belt, not like a real instructor, like how much worse that would be. I'm sure you remember the Lloyd Irvin scandal and yeah. things like this. It happens, man. We're not making shit up. This shit happens all the fucking time. And it's not just jujitsu. It's with anything of that sort. Yeah. Oh, let me give you some other uh, really popular adages and tell me if you've ever heard of it. Oh, I don't know. The personal trainer mm -hmm. that the, the sleeps around with the wives. Oh, I don't know. The yoga instructor. It's like a cliche, right? Was Bikram. Bikram. I mean, yeah. the yoga instructor, the yeah. personal trainer. I mean, dude, the list can go on and on and on yeah. and on. So it's not just particular to this, but those are the people that come in. Again, the currency is kicking ass. And if you come in and there's the best at kicking ass of all of the ass kickers, you think that person is not going to have some power that they can abuse? Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. What are we doing? If you don't believe that, power. you're fucking naive. Especially when it comes to like kids. Kids, yeah. women. Women. 
Yeah, especially if you're new, man. Because when you're new, you're in like a new culture. You don't know what to expect. So you look to like other people. And like all these other people are like looking up to this coach. You're like, oh, this coach is like the god. Yeah, fuck. Gets yeah, and Ma- sometimes, Major right? and I were talking. I hope I'm not putting him out by saying this. <laughs> but it's something we both observed, mm-hmm. right? So I'll, I'll say myself, and he tended to agree with me, is that, and this is these power dynamics at play, right? So if you go to a jiu-jitsu gym, first of all, you'll almost always see a jiu-jitsu coach eventually sleeping around with a student. Mm-hmm. I mean, pff, find me one where it hasn't happened and I'll find you a really fucking good instructor. Like, <laughs> you know, like that person is somebody you should keep around you yeah. because they're, they have patience, they're kind, and they have their shit together. So now having said that, Major and I both observed this phenomenon, which is let's say the coach is married mm-hmm. or the coach is not available, that oftentimes the girls or the guys or whoever it is, right, it, they go down the pecking order. Because, you know, sometimes the, the, the ladies that come to the gym will try the coach. Maybe they give them a little flirt or whatever. And then who's next? The senpai. Right. They're next. And the, the pretty soon, the brown belt's dating a student or whatever, right? And then maybe something happens with them. They're dating another person in the gym. Oh, it's the purple belt, right? Mm-hmm. It's never the white belt. It's never the new person that the hot chick at the gym goes and dates. Unless you're really hot or rich. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to like fucking mansplain <laughs> or be really controversial here. This is just shit that I've observed. And Me what too. it is, is it's the power dynamic. Yeah. And if you, I, and I'm not trying to put this off on women or the men, because in my opinion, it's the responsibility of whoever the instructors are or whoever the students are that are of that level to keep their personal shit out mm. of the gym for the sake of the integrity of the gym that you train at. And they can go both ways. Sometimes it's the girls, sometimes it's the guys. Look, man, I have a lot of sympathy for this shit because if you're like a real competitor, like a real hardcore person that trains, you're in the gym all the fucking time, man. So you don't really have a social life. You, can, you don't really drink and things like this, you know. But I, I feel it. But personally, I don't date in the gym. I've seen it happen far too many times. Uh, I'm not just talking out of my ass, right? You've seen this as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it happen. Even if it's like a genuine like love relationship, you know, I try not to. I try not to date in the gym. Like I, I actively encourage my friends and training partners not to do it, because it, it just gets weird, man. It, there's rarely a time where it ends well. Do you agree? If they break up and then there's this issue in the it gym, it just gets fucking weird. The whole thing's toxic. You don't know if you should say something. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it just creates that fucking, especially in something again that's so physically. Like listen, we got to be on each other, right? Like I yeah. got to be on top of you. You're gonna. Melt me. There's a level of intimacy. My sweat's dripping into your eyeballs and shit. Bro, there's a level <laughs> of intimacy that's just, you can't separate from jiu-jitsu. Mm. And so those power dynamics become even more magnified because of that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Listen, I get, I get in trouble for this, man. I didn't realize this, but before I started this podcast, I just thought, you know, anybody talks to me, I'm a reasonable guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't consider myself to be controversial. But ever since I started this fucking podcast, <laughs> everybody is like, I get coaches telling me that they don't want me to talk about shit anymore. People don't want me to talk about Josh Robinson. People don't want me to criticize this. People, people coming up to me and saying that I can't say these things. I'm getting messages from people being like, bro, you talked, you talked about this. And so people are threatening to cut business ties oh, with shit. me over some stuff that I say. And it's like, all, and then I, you know, and then all of a sudden I realize that people think that I'm this controversial, crazy person for just discussing what I've observed in my really? years of experience. It means people are watching a shit, though. So. Well, that's good. I mean, <laughs> the good news is, I know, even as I went to the, the UFC over the weekend, people came to me and talked to me. And, yeah. But rarely was it good. <laughs> rarely was it good. Mm. You know, people were like, oh, so I, I checked your podcast, and, you know, they're nice to me. They're like, oh, good work. Uh, but I, I, here's what I think about what you said. And then it's usually like, I need to stop talking about something. I need to 
do whatever. I need to, I've been told I need to apologize. I need to make retractments. I've been told I shouldn't discuss this stuff because it hurts the business at large. What's the biggest one? The biggest issue? I mean, I don't think any of them have been crazy. My personal biggest issue that I'm wrestling with now is the thing I talked about originally at the front of the podcast, which is making sure that people that listen to the podcast know that my beliefs are not associated or necessarily in alignment with my company's beliefs. Okay. Because, you know, it's a big thing, man. Yeah, it's a big thing. But I feel like that should be obvious, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I feel like people, adults that watch this, there should be a level of nuance attached to their thinking. Yeah. Like, if I come in here and I make a joke about beating up my wife or my kids that I teach martial arts to, I have a hashtag called Wife Beating Chronicles. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, Jesus Christ, I'm not a wife beater. I, I literally punch and kick my wife because she's an instructor. Yeah. And that's part of our training. I never hurt her. Like, if I do, it's an accident. Like, I would never fucking lay a hand on her, right? I love her to death. Same thing with the kids. I make a joke about beating them up. Like, bring me your kids. I'll beat them up. I'll teach them some discipline. You know, I'm just talking shit. And then same thing with Josh Robinson, right? Like, that guy was a fucking pedo. And then I hear people talk about, like, ooh, it it, it hurts the business and people are going to be scared to train. That trips me out. And all of this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, maybe. But he's a fucking predator. And I don't give a shit. Like, mm. and again, my beliefs, my personal beliefs and the things I talk about this on my podcast aren't necessarily things that my other business partners will even agree with. I might have a differentiating opinion with uh, a differentiating opinion with them. So people think you are stronghold and stronghold is you. It's called stronghold podcast. Yeah. So there, part of that is a blessing because it brings attention, attention to my brand. And then part of it's a curse because people think that, well, stronghold thinks this stronghold thinks this. It's like, bro, I'm not stronghold. I'm one aspect. Mm hmm. Like, I'm just one part of this whole thing. I think it's good, though. When I, when I first saw this podcast, I was really excited. I was like, oh, fuck, finally someone's doing it. I was going to do it, man. But, yeah, too many things going on. But, yeah, it's so good what you're doing. Uh, well, keep I'm, it up, I'm happy to do it. I just don't want people to think that I'm this controversial figure. I mean, to me, that's it's insane. Because mm-hmm. anybody that talks to me for a few I'm like I'm measured. I'm balanced. I, I'm not the type to fly after. I mean, I, think, I, I take everything as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> like even, even this fucking thing that I, I told you about earlier, again, without going to specifics, I shared a joke that was at the expense of a gym, mm-hmm. right? It was a gym that's, there's a gym in Singapore and I shared something that was like kind of a joke that kind of shat on them a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, I know these people, I know the coaches there. And then all of a sudden I'm getting messages saying that like, oh, you can't talk about that. We've worked together. We train together. How can you talk? I would never talk about like, uh, about Stronghold or Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood or GF Team and the way that you talked about us. And I'm like, bro, I, d- I didn't even say anything. I just shared something that I thought was funny. Yeah. But all of a sudden it's like affecting my business and they're saying that they're not going to let their students come train here anymore and all of this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, like, come on. It, it was a small criticism at the most and then all of a sudden they're threatening to tell their students they can't train here and they're pulling out of collaborations that we were going to do together and all this kind of stuff over a little fucking joke. They just get their feelings hurt so easily. Yeah. Um, the toughest guys have the, are the most sensitive, you know. That's what I've came to realize. Because yeah. in this sport, like, we put so much of ourselves on the line, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, what can you say about that, man? It I don't is know. It's it is. weird being in the public eye. Yeah. There's benefits and there's definitely drawbacks. I don't want to. I don't want to cause my company duress, right? I don't want to cause mm. problems. But at the same time, like if I post something that's a joke, and then all of a sudden people are telling me to make an apology for it and to tear it down and to delete the comment that I made, I'm just not. Tell gonna, me about it. If, yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. not going to do it. Neither are you. Like in this case, right? You came here. You gave your honest opinion. Yeah. And if people can't deal with that, then fuck them. Like honestly, like. 
Mm. Unless you're being an asshole. Yeah. Like, if I genuinely believe I should apologize for something, and by the way, on this podcast, I have no doubt that's going to be the case. Yeah. Because I'm going to fuck up. I'm going to say something stupid one day as a joke, and then I'm going to wish I hadn't said it, and then I will make an apology for it if I feel that's the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a fine line between saying what you mean, maybe even as a joke, or being a dick. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, is there anything, because let's tie this back to you. Yeah. Is there anything in regards with this controversy about the UFC gym that you wish you hadn't done? Or anything you, say, you wish you hadn't said? I'm young, right? So I'm still learning a lot of things. Um, I'm only st- I've only started doing SG Jiu-Jitsu Open for a year or so. Maybe I could have been more sensitive with it. But then again, I didn't expect it to blow up. I told the owner, like, or I told the owner the same thing. Like, hey, man, it was never meant as an insult to the gym or anything like this. Maybe I could have decided to take the kinder route, you know, it's been more, been more. How do you say? It's politically correct, but uh, it is what it is. And um, I think somebody has to bite the fucking bullet, man, because it's not like, it's not like it's the first time it happened and just. And I did it, right? Yeah, that's what one thing I found crazy about this. Everybody blame you. And I'm like, bro, this had been going on before you ever said anything. Yeah, he's been giving prior, prior warning. Not just, like a bunch of people, at least three people have messaged him, you know. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll stop it. La, 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 la. And he didn't, so fuck him. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really regret it. So mm, maybe I, I, could, I could elect to be kinder next time, you know. It's never my intention to hurt anybody or like... Yeah, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta put, you gotta lay down the hammer, man. Yeah, yeah. So well, it's it that, it's that personal integrity, right? Like, yeah. you know, I feel the same way. If I say something and people take it the wrong way, which in your case, I think is what happened. Right? Yeah. You said something and then you didn't think it was gonna be anything, and then all of a sudden it blows up. I was drinking coffee. I was like, ah, fuck these guys. They texted. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden it's just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It blew up. Yeah. Let's look at my phone. Holy shit. Yeah. And it's been a similar situation for me. And listen, I know, I know that I'm going to say some shit that I shouldn't say. Yeah, I'm going to. And say I know I'm going to say some stuff. I don't even know. Maybe in this podcast, I don't know what's going to. Yeah. Up, what's not yeah. going to blow up? And if I feel like I misstep and I didn't say what I should have or I said it poorly, then mm-hmm. I'll say it. But it's it's that personal moral line that you have, right? Like there are some things that I say that I don't give a shit if people don't like it. Yeah. And then, but if I think I said something wrong. And in your case, if you think you said something wrong, then I believe you would say it. Yeah. But if like you're cool with it and your moral integrity you feel is still intact, fuck apologizing to people. Like you can't control how other people perceive things. You can yep. only control how you perceive it. There's some things not for sale, man. Some things are not for sale. Um, I like that about you. Yeah. I like that you were like, oh, they're gonna say this and they're gonna say this, and you're like, I don't care, man. I just it's what you feel. Dude, I I got into I could have just went to university, just worked like a corporate job, made some money, you know. But I I got into this shit. Not because of money, man. So, I got to do this shit so I, I didn't have to lick anybody's asshole for a living. <laughs> so, fuck it. Well, you still could for pleasure. For <laughs> recreation. You could yes. do it for recreation if I you're interested. Um, yeah. So, some things are not for sale. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing with this podcast, too. Like, you know, this is just a, this is a pleasure project. Yeah. I'm doing this because I want to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my idea initially was it would kind of be cool to unite the martial arts community. That's why I got major on. That's why I got my old students on, Ron and Steven. They fought and won. Mm-hmm. Next week, spoiler alert, I'm going to have Will Chope on. Fuck Sweet. Yeah. Hey, one of the most experienced fighters He's in, the, fights. in the world. <laughs> Guy fought, if you don't know Will Chope, look up Will Chope. Yeah. He fought Max Holloway in the UFC. He's got hundreds of MMA fights. He's fought Lethway, boxing, 
kickboxing, yeah, Muay Thai, MMA, grappling competitions, 100 plus pro fights. This dude's cool fucking guy. legit. Cool guy. Legit. Jeremy fought, Horn of Asia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We fought on the same card at SFC, the same card you fought on. I fought on the same card too. Yeah, so you and I both yeah. fought. Fun, fun little fact for the listeners. You and I fought on the same card. You fought amateur. I fought fight. pro. Will fought after me. So... We fought. We all three of us fought on the same card together. So this guy's fucking good. I feel like he will really have some insights. Yeah, and, looking uh, forward to that. You know, even uh, one of the coaches at the UFC gym, he talked to me last night, and we were pretty cool. And he said he wanted to come on the podcast, and I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't care. I'll yeah, talk to come anybody. Over. Yeah, I'm cool to sit down and talk with anybody. And then I already know who a few of my next upcoming guests are going to be. I'll Sweet. tell you next week after that. No, I won't say the one after that, but I have the next one after that planned, and then after that, so somewhat flexible. But I wanted it just to be a cool outlet for people who are in the community to just come and chat. But I'm going to say some shit that everybody doesn't agree with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope that that doesn't... There needs to be something like this, though. Especially in Asia, where, like, there's, there's, a, huge, there's a huge market, right? But people are so generally, all right, love you, my Asians, more conservative. So they're not willing to go against the grain. So, especially in Singapore, I've realized. I think that's why this podcast rubs people the wrong way sometimes. Yeah, but it's all love, man. It's because all love. We can talk about it. I'm not PC. Yeah. I'm not PC. I swear, I, you know, and I think, and I've even heard, I heard one criticism that really annoyed me, which was, you know, uh, one of my kids got caught listening to my podcast. Oh. And, you know, I swear and I drink and all that kind of stuff. And you, I'm worried in the future that some parents, if they catch a, catch a glimpse of this, might not want their kids to train with me because they hear how I talk. Maybe you should put like an M18 thing. Oh, it is. It's market explicit on YouTube oh, yeah. already. So yeah. I, I mark it as explicit. That's good. And I don't, I don't advertise it, but sometimes I'll be like editing the clips or tagging shit and then, you know, and the word just gets around and then my kids will be like, oh, you have a YouTube channel. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck, like, here we go. Like, here we go. It's going to be a problem. We talked about this before the podcast, but there are way worse things your kid can find on the internet than, know, uh, than some... Then two dudes drinking beers and swearing. <laughs> but I just worry. But, but listen, when I'm with the kids, I don't swear. I'm not. Yeah. This is you and me talking, yeah. and then yeah. the cameras are just In whatever. This situation. Like, yeah. yeah. So I'm not like that, but it's easy to see. It's easy for me to see in some ways how this could harm my business. Right. And it makes me a little hesitant, but at the same time, I did this because I want to. So it's kind of like it's kind of yeah. like I get it, but it's also kind of like fuck you. <laughs> so <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm sure it brings a lot to your business as well. Like I wouldn't be here if you didn't have this podcast, right? Mm. Most likely. Oh yeah. yeah, I have a I have a big announcement coming pretty soon. Yeah. Th- this podcast. Exciting. Yeah, I'm not gonna say anything, but within the next two to three weeks, I'm gonna have a fucking mind blower to drop on I'm this looking podcast. Looking forward to that bro. shit, yeah. dude. Yeah. So if you're listening to the Stronghold podcast. Or you're training at Stronghold. I got a fucking mind blower coming pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Some some good business shit. Yeah, stay tuned, people. Stay tuned. Yeah. Who are you getting on next? Who are you thinking about? Uh, Will Chope is on. To be on. Will Chope is on next, and then uh, I'm gonna get Dr. Alan Chung. Do you know him? Yeah. He's the one FC doctor. Mm-hmm. He's the doctor for the national team. I haven't hammered down a date with him, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna get him on soon. That, that's gonna be exciting. That's gonna be good because I, I, I one thing I want to really talk to him about is uh, the headbutts. Lethway, yeah, because that's the Asian thing. So I want to talk to him about kind of CTE. Ask him about concussions, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Concussions, specifically head to head, because I feel like that's a an area that no one's really Even touched just on. Generally, like CTE and like concussions. That that's why I, that's why I kind of fell out of love with fighting when I realized like, oh fuck, like this this shit exists, you know. But how are you training? Because like my 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 students here, we don't take head hard headshots ever yeah. ever. It's just touch. It's I don't technique. Like sparring, man. Tie style. It's tie style sparring here. <laughs> you spar with us, right? 
Yeah. You, you came here and you did the sparring. It was cool, right? Yeah, it was cool. Did anyone like fucking smash you or anything like Here's that? Here's the thing. Training for fun and training for a fight are two different things. Like yeah. people, people who don't fight don't realize that. But training for fights not fun, man. Uh, unless you're a fucking crazy person. So um, after I lost that fight, I boxed for a bit. I boxed for a year, a year and That's a half. That's the worst thing to do. And yeah, I, I got more brain trauma there than I did ever in my life. But also, I probably became better at striking or like at boxing than in my life. So it's like a, it's like a huge trade-off, man. There's no so free ride for anything that yeah, you do that yeah, involves dude, you getting punched it in the was head. This is what boxing sparring is like, yeah? So big gloves, 14 to 16 ounce mouth guard, headgear if you want to. Fuck the headgear. That makes and it you worse. fight. You fight. It's not like, it's not like sparring, man. Go, don't be a pussy. It's not jitsu, man. What are you, a pussy? Yeah, yeah, it's but a fight, man. Anyone that says that to you in your training is crazy. Like, that's <laughs> that's some bitch shit. Like, bitch on them. Like, that should not be how training is done. But this Thai style. Thai style. They play. Oi! Every time you <laughs> lay on a body. Oi! It's fun. Right? Yeah. They're just touching each other. They're not throwing. Like, if listen, for the people listening, if you train with a Thai, they're playing with you. They're having fun. If you go in and you throw, like, a full power punch on them, they're not going to want to train with you anymore. Yep. And these guys can have hundreds of fights. Yep. They're not pussies. But if you throw a full power shot on them, you're a fucking dick. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're playing. They want to have fun. They're touched because they fight every week. Yeah. They're not trying to prove how tough they are. So it's just touch, 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 play, move around. If your techniques, I take the jiu-jitsu philosophy and I extend it to MMA, to Muay Thai. If your techniques don't work when you're relaxed, they're not going to work when you're fucking going ape shit. Mm. So if I'm throwing, if I can't land a quick head kick on you, I'm not going to be able to land one where I'm fucking throwing 100% full power. That's true of a hook and a right cross and whatever. Yeah. Like if I can't land it on you clean with control, precision, I'm not going to land it on a, in a fight if I uh, tense up and go full power. Do you think there's any space for hard sparring? Yeah, for sure. If you're, if you're competing at a high level. Yeah. If you're competing. Only, only, I think there's an interim point. If you're a beginner, no hard sparring. I agree. I agree. I think that um, you should do slow, steady, be an acclimatization to... You should do drills, man. You should just do drills to begin with. But you can can get acclimated to to hard sparring. Mm -hmm. But if you go hard fast, you alienate your training partners. You build slowly, right? It's like, uh, what do you do if somebody has a fear of water? You, You get them to put their toe in, and then you go home. And the next day, they put their fucking ankle in. And then you go home. You don't talk about it. And the next day, you come in, and they go fucking waist deep or whatever. And then you go home, and you wait two weeks. And then the next time you come in, you go up to your chest, and then maybe now they're having a little fun. They're not so worried about it. Yeah. And the next time, and you slowly increase the difficulty. And the last time, you go neck deep. Maybe they're a little nervous, but then you just go home, right? And then with people watching, you start to try to tread water. And then, you know, if you do that for six months, person's going to be swimming. Yeah. They're going to be fine. That's what sparring should do, and yeah, that's how it should be. Ease them into it, yeah. And then, if you want to be a fighter, you extrapolate that. Okay, you're going to be hit like you've never been hit before. So here's what we're going to do: when you start, assuming that you've done all the prerequisite training, that you started here, you get touched a little bit, then you add the intensity a little bit. Now, okay, you have a real fight coming up. We'll never be able to go 100% on you, mm-hmm. because if I go 100% on you, you might get knocked out in the gym. Yep. that's unacceptable. You don't want that shit. Unacceptable. Yeah. If you have more gym wars, then you're not going to be fit to fight. Yeah. You just have to, ha- people have to accept that there's a level of intensity that you'll get in the fight that you can never simulate in training. We used to have gym wars, dude. Yeah. yeah. And no one will ever go as hard on you in the gym as they will in the fight. Mm-hmm. Unless they're a fucking asshole and you shouldn't be training with that person. Mm-hmm. So they take a fight. Let's say you're making your pro debut and you've never done a hard round sparring. Guess what? Even if we do a hard round sparring, that person in the fight is still going to go harder. Yeah. It's like jujitsu competition, right? Yeah. 
small you, glyphs, no shin pads. Yeah. Yeah. You can't simulate that. You, the only way to get fight experience that's real is by fighting. Yeah. And then, you know, 20 or 30 fights down the line, you have fight experience. Then you know. But there's a level of unknown that you just have to accept. I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. Mm. I think there is a space uh, and time for hard sparring, but I don't think it should be like beginners at all. It should be like like people who know what they're getting into and who are preparing for a fight. So like two months out, all right, you're going to spar once a week. It's going to be hard. Um, you're going to pull shots to the head, but we're going like, to try to rip your body. Gonna oh, body, body, you. body, okay. Body can go hard. Yeah, body you're going to go, go fast to the head. To the head, I think you should never go harder than 60%. Yeah. That's my belief. I don't think the long-term damage is worth it because it's not just concussions. It's sub-concussive trauma. Yeah, that's the real... That's yeah. what I want to talk to Dr. Allen about yeah. is that sub-concussive trauma. You get CTE by heading a football. Yeah. That's how bad it is. You get CTE by heading a football. Like a soccer ball. Like, bang. You and then imagine that if you're boxing. You're, you're dropped, right? You get dropped by a, a hard You get 200 to punches to the face in a week. Just and like then imagine week. that, okay, well, you just talked about sub-concussive. Mm -hmm. What about post-concussive? Yeah. What about I drop you with a right hook in a boxing match? You get 10 seconds, shake off your concussion, you're already concussed. Now let's throw more shots on your already concussed brain. How much do you think damage they That's do relative crazy. to the post-concussive? Yeah. Three the people died this year boxing in the pro boxing fight. Three people died this year alone. Uh, yeah. Now let's talk about Lethway, <laughs> where they give you two to three minutes in between, okay. and you can fucking headbutt. So this is one thing that nobody's talking about Lethway, which I think is crazy. They allow shots to the back of the head. Yeah. There's a reason why that's bad. Because uh, back in the day, in old school boxing, it was legal, and people started going blind, and they had brain that like, like bad brain damage. Okay, I'm not a fucking neuroscientist. Don't quote me on this fucking shit. That's why we need to get Dr. Dr. <laughs> Allen. <laughs> yeah, because get that doctor on. Speak with some I'll listen to that podcast. So apparently, when people were getting hit in the back of the head, their brains were getting bounced to the front. So, so, um, that's a concussion. Yeah, that's a concussion. So they were going blind. People were going blind, man. There's a whole reason why shots to the back of the head is illegal. And that and doesn't everything. even include the the nerves yeah. that you get by hitting the spine. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. I hit you in the top part of the spine, right. I mean, that shit that can give you nerve damage. That shit mm -hmm. that can, Forever. That can paralyze your fingers. Mm -hmm. That can paralyze your body. Yeah. It doesn't even... Okay, we're talking about brain damage, which is the long-term killer, but that isn't even to say something about nerve damage or paralysis whether it's temporary or it's permanent mm -hmm. which if you hit the base of the neck i mean god what do we <laughs> there's a reason why some shit is illegal man and yeah nobody's talking about the, the shots to the back of the head man about left way that's a good point focusing on the head i think you're shit. right that's a, that's a really that's fair a big point thing. i think you should ban it it doesn't bring anything to the sport what does it bring it's like brain trauma and cte yeah. and <laughs> partial paralysis maybe yeah i don't i think it's even worse than the two minutes revival rule man yeah that's a really interesting point if I if I get somebody that like and I elbow them to the back of the head, boom, boom, yeah, I get fucking killed, man. Well, the other weird thing about Lethway too is right. They all agree groin strikes are illegal. Mm -hmm. You know, hit somebody in the balls. <laughs> Let me ask you: Would you rather be hit in the balls or elbowed in the back of the fucking neck? Yeah, shit. I mean, one might be more painful, but one will fucking fuck you up. Like yeah. one may give you serious trauma. You can wake up and forget who you are. You're kicking the balls like you're going to be in pain. Maybe your dick will be sore the next day. Yeah, I can get that. But, I mean, there's problems, right? We're, we're, let's just say there's problems with that. There's <laughs> big problems with that not shit. the same. Yeah. I would rather be fucking, have my dick be paid for the next day than have brain trauma. Look, when I was 19, I used to be a savage, man. I didn't care if I lived or died. So I needed a validation that it came, that it came from fighting, right? So what really scared me was just, like, I saw Dick this. Dick kicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kicking balls. 
brain damage scared the <laughs> shit out of me, man. I saw these yeah. old boxers, Gerald McKellen, right? Yeah. They, they're not themselves they get anymore, punchy. man. They yeah. get punchy, can't speak right. Holy fuck. Fuck that. The boxing in particular is pretty gnarly. Yeah. But you start to see it with MMA fighters now. Who's the guy that got hit? A Bellator fighter that got hit by a car and killed? Um, Jordan something. So he's like 20-something oh. years old. When they autopsied him, he had CTE. Well, it's the same thing with the NFL players. He had only one knockout loss. It's the years of gym wars. The gy- that's why I believe in... He's like in 26 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's why I don't think any of that those gym wars are acceptable he at all. He has CTE at 26. I, I told Major in the last podcast, and I think... I don't know if he disagreed with me or not. We may have just been slightly opposite the spectrum. A little bit, not t- full end. But I was like, if one of my students knocked out another student in training, mm-hmm. especially if it was intentional, like they're throwing heat. Yeah. You know, if like I, you zig when you should have zag, I throw a head kick and you slip to the same side. Wham. That's an accident. I mean, yeah. sometimes you can't help that. But if like I can see that the ego's coming in and, oh, you landed a, a shot on me, so I'm going to fucking dig in and I throw a full power shot and knock you out, I'm borderline kicking that person out of the gym. Yeah, I've heard that. Because that's not a safe training partner. Mm-hmm. So some people will say that there's – you know, again, if you're in a fight camp, but in a fight camp, I don't think you should be going those headshots. I believe in the conditioning model is more important. Mm-hmm. Go to the body, okay. You go hard, you kick the legs. Go the, you can go to the liver shot for days, right? Yeah. Fuck people up with that, right? You Fuck can jab them up. Shots. You can control shots to the head, all that kind of stuff. Listen, I'm not, I don't believe in no contact training either. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't have it, and I'm not saying there's a place, not a place for hard training. I think it should be off camp. And I think it should be people to prep them for fights in the future. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it should be during a fight camp. Mm-hmm. Because then maybe I make you punchier than you would be in the fight. Yeah. Look, we're not saying you should shadow box. But we're saying maybe pull some shots to the head. It's not, it's not healthy in the long term, you know. Yeah. Do you think there's long-term ramifications to throwing hard body shots? <laughs> not that I've seen. Yeah, me too. I mean, you can, you know, you can definitely break a rib. Yeah. You can, you know, you can... Uh, you tear a ligament or something with Have the you leg kick. Drop to a shot to the liver. Oh God, yes. Fuck that. It's man. awful. I'd way rather be punched in the head. Yeah, me too. For sure. Yeah. The liver shot or in the solar plex. Yep. Those two. God. They're damn. both. They're opposite. They're opposite. Like if I hit you in the sternum, the solar yeah. plexus right in the middle, for the camera, right there. If I hit you in the in the solar plex right there. Yeah. What happens is it stops you from being able to inhale. Yeah. So you get this panic, this fight or flight thing where you're like. <laughs> yeah. I You're trying to both. inhale, but you can't. The liver shot, if you get that, your whole body just seizes, seizes up. Yeah. And you can't unlock. So you have this, you know, that's why if you watch it in MMA, mm-hmm. people get hit in the liver, and then they go down into fetal position, and they can't pr- even protect their head because their whole body just locks up. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's that was my last loss. Liver that shot. That was my only loss, yeah. Bro. Like, left hook to the body. Oh, God. That's my favorite punch to teach people. I tell them all the time, like, listen, the liver shot, the left hook to the body. Yeah. That's the money shot because... If yeah. you land that, you get a huge reaction. Nobody can stop it. It's like a choke. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's like the choking jiu-jitsu. There are no tough guys when it comes to yeah, liver shots. Yeah, you can't man. be tougher than a liver shot. Fucking Look hell. at the toughest guys ever. Jeremy Stevens yeah. knocked out with a liver shot. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, you get seized up with that shit. I don't care how tough you are. You're yeah. fucking going down. Yeah. Like, especially in MMA and boxing, it's obviously a huge punch too. Right. But you'll, you'll typically see if I liver shot you, it'll drop you. Maybe by an eight count, you can get up to your feet. Yes. But MMA? MMA with follow-up strikes. Yeah. You, you get stunned. That's yeah. it. And then two or three strikes land, and you can't stop it. Boom, the fight's over. Which I like. I agree if you... Here's the thing about MMA. I, I agree that you take less, way less damage than in boxing. I think, uh, I think most of the damage comes in camp. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think the meta is just that if you get stunned... Like, that's it. The fight is done. You're just going to get hit a few more times. Boom. A couple follow-up strikes or yeah. maybe a submission. Yeah, yeah. Which is even Look safer. at all the Diaz brother fights. They, they stun people like McGregor, right? And they choke them. That's it. Yeah. Done. 
most of the damage comes from from sparring now. Yeah, I would agree with you, which is why I'm such a hard proponent on technical sparring. Right. If your technique doesn't work with you relaxing and pulling it, it's not going to work if you go ape shit. It's just mm -hmm. not. There's something to be said about power in fights, particularly at the heavyweight divisions. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a firm believer that you, if you want to fight, the only thing that's going to simulate a fight is a fight. You want to get experience fighting? You want to know what that's like? Go through the amateurs. Mm -hmm. You can have... You can have countless amateur fights. It doesn't go on your record. When you step foot in the pros, then you will have had all that experience. You will know what it's like to have somebody go 100% at you. Training is not what that's for. Because yeah. your training partners will hurt you. They hurt each other. They will make you gun shy. Or the subconcussive, all of the accumulation, the, the training, the wars in the gym, that all will take away from your performance on the night. Yeah. Most of my injuries just came from training in the gym. You know, And I, I, would, I would like to make the argument that... Uh, just sparring with like huge gloves and shin pads doesn't really simulate a fight man yeah it's, it's not really the same gives you false sense of security yeah it gives you some mostly it just boils down to cardio and like just blocking like this and swinging you know yeah um, I, talk, I talk about it to my students all the time about kicking mm -hmm. because they wear the shin pads and so they'll, they'll kick the hip, they'll Yo. kick the knee, they'll kick the elbow, Yo, yeah. and they'll just spam that shit and I'm I like fucking listen here shin pads. listen here if you throw that kick without a shin pad and you keep kicking toward the knee, or you keep kicking the hip, or you keep kicking the elbow. If you do that, you're going to break your foot, and you're done. Do you think amateur MMA fights should be with shin pads? I don't dislike, I don't disapprove of the shin pad as a training tool, because I don't want people to get their legs fucked up. I like, I like training with shin pads, but I don't like fighting with shin pads. I don't agree with that, because you can cheat with shin mm. pads. Yeah, yeah. you can throw full power when you could You can throw full power shots to the shin. You throw like, your opponent's shin just to trip them up. Wham, score points. That's bullshit. But then man. you don't want to see a shin break in an amateur fight. Like You're not getting paid for that. You don't want to see someone's mm, fucking leg noodle true, over. But I haven't actually seen somebody break their shin in an amateur fight with because or without shin pads. pads. I've seen a lot of amateur, uh, most of my amateur fights without shin pads. Really? Yeah, yeah there's some. There's some yeah. for sure. I, I do both because I teach. In sparring, we wear the shin pads. But mm -hmm. I also do drills without. Yeah. Because for me, accuracy and timing is more important with kicking. Because if, if I kick you, that's why stepping out is so important, right? If I kick you square, like if I'm standing right in front of you like we are now, and I throw any kick towards you, it's going to go to the danger zone, your elbow, your hip, or your knee. Yeah. As soon as I step off, now it's going to wrap your belly. Because mm -hmm. even if your elbows are in, I'm going to hit the front side of your body. So you step it's off when you kick, in. which is why I have them train like 10 kicks to the body without the shin pads, step out. Mm -hmm. So that way they can see. Like, oh, and then sometimes we do the the tech sparring without the shin pads. Because then you can go 10%, you kick an elbow one time, you're not gonna fucking kick the elbow anymore. Yeah. But until you felt it, you don't know. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. It even hurts to, this is another one, it hurts to kick people in the head. If you've kicked somebody in the head without a shin pad in a fight, it will fuck your foot up. Yeah. It's extremely painful. Even the elbows. In my pro debut, I spent most of the fight on top in the closed guard throwing elbows. Mm. I had a fucking knot on my elbow that looked like an alien. Dude. I almost broke my hand in my second fight. Just by punching. Just by punching. And I was wrapped up, professionally wrapped up, and a glove on top, six ounce glove. Almost broke my fucking hand, man. Yeah, that was when I learned in my fight was that elbows are not meant to be blunt force. They're mm. meant to slice. Mm. Because I was hitting with that part of my elbow, not this sharp part, but like the almost the forearm, and I was hitting the top of the skull. Yeah, don't hit the top of the skull. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, and then I woke up, and it looked like my elbow was giving birth to another elbow. <laughs> you yeah. know? Oh, and shit. then I realized that you got to aim for the soft parts. You got to aim for the chin, the nose, the eyes, the mouth, and then you have to slice with it. Because if you go blunt force like forearm, you break your forearm. Yeah. Or spinning back fist, if you hit the forearm, you will shatter somebody, your shit. Somebody broke their forearm in the UFC fight. Uh, Paige Van Zandt broke her. Paige Van Zandt broke her forearm, right? Throwing spinning back yeah. fist. Yeah. 
Same thing. Yeah, she can't even fighting, man. Peach's badass. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. We got to wrap this shit up because I got to pee. Yeah, I got to pee too. Okay, good. We, yeah. We're in agreement. All right, everybody. Ooh. This is Stronghold Podcast episode nine. 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 Alvin Ong. The controversy is settled. We can let this shit go. I'm going to try not to talk about it so much. Thanks Me for coming too. on, man. Give everybody your shit. Thank you, man. Uh, hey, man. Alvin Ong. Uh, yeah. So, SGBJJ open for next, no, November 16th. So, drop by, guys. It's going to be fun. Double storied hall, air conditioning. And oh, yeah. thank God. Air conditioning. Air conditioning. Yeah, that's a big one. That's why we pay rent. So <laughs> yeah, drop by, guys. Follow me and Luke on Instagram. Uh, okay. At and Stronghold Lucas Podcast. Leisure, at Stronghold Podcast. We just yeah. released the... We just did the Facebook and this uh, Instagram and shit. So, guys, if you're following me and you like the podcast, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. If you like it, please, God, share it. It's simple. It's just a click. Yeah. Do me a solid. Share that shit. We're gone. Thank you, as always. Stronghold Podcast, Episode 9, in the books. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Thank you. Thanks, Luke.